Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Sorry. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is JB. Uh, Cam is not with us on this episode. Uh, he was uh, a little busy, <laughs> if you catch my drift. I think you do. <laughs> No, he was babysitting, is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, so this episode is going to be a very extended interview. Uh, interview's a very loose term. It's basically just me and my friend talking at each other like we normally would. Uh, his name's Aaron Conley. Some of you probably know who he is, I would hope so, at least, if you're listening to this podcast and read comics. Um, but yeah, we basically just shoot the shit, talk about what he's working on, uh, his process. I mean, probably. I kind of don't really remember what we talked about. If it's anything like our normal conversations, it's probably just absolute dumb dog shit. So uh, apologize in advance if you are not into it. I don't blame you. Um, man, this is so weird. I'm like talking to myself into this microphone and it's, um, ooh, it's like a kind of an existential dread that I'm really not into right now. But anyway, um, so yeah, Cam's not with me, unfortunately. But if you want a little piece of Cam for yourself and you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, you should go check him out. He will be at LA Zine Fest this Sunday, May 29th. Please go give him your money. Uh, give, him, uh, give him a high five. Uh, give him uh, support, love, admiration, um, all the good things. Uh, make him a card. Uh, write a note for him. Bake him some cookies. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be at the Helms Bakery District, I believe. I don't know. They move the location every year, and it's hard for me to keep track. But yeah. Uh, Chicago Zine Fest was last weekend. The whole gutter gang was there. And uh, we will be, uh, in the next episode, we'll have a more in-depth breakdown of that whole uh, show. It, it was a great time, uh, as it always is. Uh, we want to thank everyone that helped coordinate and organize that event. Um, they busted their butts as per usual to make sure that uh, everything ran as smoothly as possible. Uh, they really, really do try to put on the best show for everyone, uh, attendees and tablers. Uh, so big, big thanks to you guys and gals and, uh, you know, non-gender specific uh, terms. But yeah. You all are great. Shout out to um, Mike uh, Centino, who is uh, now famous. I believe he uh, he will be missed. <laughs> um, he's a big movie star now, so that's pretty cool. Uh, shout out to um, everybody that came by our table. Uh, but yeah, we'll do an in-depth review of that uh, on the next episode. Uh, cake is coming up too, so we'll have a breakdown of that after that happens. Uh, we got a lot of catching up to do, so, you know, apologies in advance. Uh, but yeah, enough of that. Let's go on and get to the interview. Uh, enjoy. Okay, bye-bye. I'm just drunk. <laughs> okay. I'll sleep once I start drinking. I'll sleep through anything. That's why I didn't. I, mean, I didn't. I didn't necessarily want to drink as much as I did in Chicago, but 
luckily that's what puts me to fucking sleep, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that was a hard decision to make in Chicago. Drink a lot. I mean, I came back and I felt like I needed a fucking vacation from, from my your vacation. vacation. <laughs> I feel like that at every convention. Yeah. Because you think, because I have to take out time and go out for my day job. So everybody, when I come back, all my coworkers ask me how my vacation was. I was like, well, it wasn't really a vacation. No, it was work. It, it was, was work. genuinely work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had fun. But right. But I'm tired. Yeah, it's <laughs> more fun than your average work day. Sure. But it's still like, it's still like exhausting to have to like talk to people for like what eight hours, eight to nine hours every day, and, and be, also yeah. be like drawing, be and also trying too. to be friendly to the people who don't necessarily want a drawing; they just want some product from you. You know. Yeah. Well, then also, you know, you sometimes you you are walking the floor a lot too, or you're standing. A lot of people I notice will stand at their table if if they're not like a big name artist and they're not constantly having people at their table. You know, usually they will stay on their feet because they know that will you know, you know the likelihood of drawing traffic in is a what, little people higher. People just be like, look, there's that standing guy. Let's go talk to him. Kinda. Yeah. If you're if you're just like randomly browsing down the aisle. And there's somebody that's standing and actively engaging with the people that are walking by, and then they're more likely to look at the table rather than. Or you're Alexis like, or it, and you're just never at your own table. Well, that's the again the <laughs> the highlight of that is if you're not a known name, right? Right. Like if you're not in Artist Alley, or sorry, if you're not like let's say Heroes for example, if you're not in Indie Island, you you pretty much like it's assumed you're not going to make a whole lot of money. Or you're just not going to get a whole lot of traffic. Most of the traffic is concentrated around artists or Indie Island. Um, so you'll see a lot of people just get kind of standing and trying to get people's attention. I remember the first year I did MegaCon, there was this guy and he was like, he was at the table next to ours. Mm-hmm. And he was like, not only was he standing, but he was just like hollering at like every single person that like walked by. And he'd be like, yo, come over and look at my comic. It's awesome. You, yeah. you, like, really need this comic. You know, you, like, he was, like, he was, like, a car salesman. Yeah, or a carnival barker. I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm, like, get out of here, dude. <laughs> like, if you need to beg people to buy your comic, like, you know, like, maybe you need to rethink some things. Sure. You know? Sure. Or they're really good salesmen, you don't know. No, I think half the people <laughs> just bought his thing because they were, like, I just want this guy to leave me alone. Hey, that's I'll a just, sale is a once sale. Once I buy man. this... Like, yeah, he went, here's the thing. Yes, he might have went home with, like, a, a few dollars in his pocket, but there's not a lot of aftermarket for that, because most of these people probably got home, looked at his comic, and then threw it away. Oh, if you it know? sucks, there's nothing you can do to help that, sure, but right. if it was good and it got there, that if that was what got, you know, his foot in the door in terms of their attention, and then they pick it up and they're like, oh, actually, this is good. Or, oh, I actually really like this. And then they show it to someone else and they show it to someone else and then that person, you know, et cetera and so yeah, forth. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure his thing was no good. Sure, sure. I, I get that. And usually the people that bark the loudest are the ones making not so great stuff. I get that. Yes. But what I'm saying is right. that if the, if it was a good book and they do make good work and they also use that that same approach to sales, yeah, that's a, that's a win, I would say, right? Mm, in what way? In that he got his work or her work into the hands of people, and if it's good, and it work. stands up. If it stands up, right. If it's good, right. right but right. I feel like if I feel like if you're good, you're not going to have to do that. I, I disagree because, with that. No, come on now. Well, if you're good, 
like people are going to come over and just look at your stuff because you're good, you know? Like I especially I understand for what you're the saying. angle of like is this something that appeals to me right. rather than I'm just shoving my comic in anybody's hand whether it appeals to them or not. Mhm. And I no, I completely disagree with that. I don't I don't think that if you're having to stand there and holler at people because plenty of even that was the first year we did MegaCon and plenty of people came over and just like looked at our stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. We had a good variety of things. We had some prints. We had a couple little mini comics, you know. We had a nice little banner set up. You know, this guy was at a blank table mm-hmm. with like his like one comic that he had like sixty-five copies of printed. Right. And he was just he he didn't have a very nice setup. He had nothing, basically. Right. And his his whole angle was to just like and he basically had his comics just sort of strewn across the table like those guys that we've met that had all that art on their table. God, that know? terrified me. God. Yeah. yeah okay. So but yeah, yeah, this guy's whole like table was just like these comics that he had. Pr- What's that company that just like will print like a ton of copies of a comic for you? Oh, as long as you um, as long as you put an advertisement of their of their printing company on the yeah, back. Yeah, of it? yeah, yeah. I yeah. forget. Did you yeah, use but that I know what you're for your about. comic recently? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, did you use that for your little no ash can I, you did recently? No, no. I used uh, no. our. I use have always used in terms of like printing ash cans. I've always used RA Direct. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, so his comic had like an ad for the printing company, like on the inside of the like back page. Yeah, and like I said, and he's just like standing there, like hollering at people to like come uh-huh. over and like look at what he's got. You right. know. I even saw him, like, put his arm on people's shoulders and stuff. That's Uh, weird. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying specifically that guy makes good work, nor am I saying specifically the way he took that approach was good. I'm saying if you are – if your work is good and you're also actively engaging with people, you know? Oh, yeah. Then you're going to – Yeah, I mean, that's just being – Yeah. That's just being a good business person, though. Sure, sure. But also some people just aren't good at that. I mean, that would be like if if, if Katrina – didn't say hello to people who walked into the comic shop, you know, yeah. or ask them like what, what they were l- like looking for today, if they needed any help, right. you know, right. that's but part of that angle for sure. Sure. I mean, I would say that's baseline. Acknowledging yeah. the other person is baseline. What I'm saying is, yeah. is like actively being able to sell your work to strangers and being like, Hey, you should check this out. Or, Hey, I think you might like this if you like X, Y, and Z, you know, like a lot of, a lot of artists and writers don't really know how to do that. Or are, you know, kind of like, I remember the first time when I tabled with you, I was Oh, I don't think most humans know how to do that. It's not even writers and artists. I think that, I think that the human mm. race genuinely doesn't know how to, dude, I went into, I went into the, uh, to a taco place the other day uh-huh. to get some empanadas. This guy was like, before he even asked me what I wanted, he just like stood there and like checked his phone to see if he had gotten any new text messages sure. or Somebody had commented on Instagram before he went like, what can I help you with, sir? <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? It's like, I cannot tell you how many comic book stores and record shops and just places like that that I've gone to across this country and that people just genuinely don't know how to just say, hey, how are you doing today? Can I help you with anything? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I when I was tabling with you, you know, I didn't 
that was the second time I'd ever tabled at any convention. So it was still, okay. rel- still relatively new to me. So I didn't know how to do any of that. And I don't know. You just have to learn while you're on your feet, right? Like it's just, Oh yeah. I just mean, it comes with it, experience. It, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, but I mean, if you're running a business, like even if you're going to these conventions, maybe, you know, stop and talk to like some other person, you know, it, how easy is it to just like put on Facebook and go like, Hey guys, never done a convention before. Anybody got any good tips, you know, mm-hmm. or anywhere, Twitter, whatever you're using. Hey, you got any good tips, you know, um, and, you know, and then and and learn. And I'm sure everybody will shoot something out. I mean, somebody might shoot something out that makes no sense at all, of course. But uh, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be like, yeah, you know, just make sure you're friendly to people. Talk to people. Make sure you greet every single person that looks at your stuff, no matter whether they look like they're just a browser or they're genuinely interested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you are doing a, a commission for somebody, make sure that you, you know, raise your head and say hello. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little different than a business. You don't want to really ask them if they need any help with anything. Cause that, that's a little strange at our tables. <laughs> I'm going to have to you do know? that next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything I can help you with? Can uh, <laughs> were you looking for the new issue of uh, Major X? Because I don't have. It. I don't have that. This is not a comic store. <laughs> I will happily draw you a commission of right. Major X. Right. <laughs> but I unfortunately do not have the new copy of Major X. But yes, I mean, just you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's genuinely yeah, like. Dude, I'm not gonna. We're on a. Po- are we record? Are we actually? We've like, been recording. Yeah. Oh. This is like Mark Marin or something now. We won't use any names here, but I mean, I've I gone can bleep over... it out. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I mean, I know better, but I'm just saying I won't use any names, but I've gone on to, I've, I've gone over to dudes tables who are like, I mean, not big time, but genuinely known people uh-huh. who acted like it, I, I was a pain in the ass for coming over and, and making them talk. You know? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, again, I think that comes with this assumption that because your name and you're so used to having people come up to your table actively and you really don't have to put any effort in drawing people in it anymore. Like you're kind of past that stage. Some people have that mentality and they they feel like they're above it, even though they're at a comic convention. Um, I mean, you, I was the only person standing at his table at that's that what moment. I, that's, that's what I mean, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. It wasn't like he had a line that I had to get through to go talk to him. You know, well, you know, and again, it could have been you might have caught him at a weird period or something. Maybe he got some bad news. I don't know. It's hard to gauge that kind of stuff. I've learned after a while, especially when I hear other people's interactions with people I know. Right. And their stories, you know, you've definitely met this weirdo. Okay, we've seen him in the background. Okay, well, you can. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, is like people's descriptions of their interactions with with people that we know might be different from our own understanding of what we would assume an interaction with them would be like. Oh, sure. Sometimes you're always going to piss somebody off no matter what. Sure. Or, you know, you're you have something you're you know, weird headspace in like literally within 10 seconds of a day. And that's the moment when somebody tries to ask you a question and it rubs you the wrong way. You know what I mean? Well, like it's just I like, mean, I try my hardest to never let anything rub me the wrong way. I understand you know? that, Aaron. But what I'm saying yeah. is like it happens, right? You, there's just some some sometimes 
you just catch the person at the wrong time and it happens. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I I try to be really good about that at conventions. Like, I try I mean, to be really, I, really I, well, good. Of course like, you I, do. Don't get me wrong. Like, th- there might be a time when something comes out of my mouth because I'm just, like, hungry. Uh, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, though. You're not thinking about it and you're not actively trying to be mean. It, there's no ill will towards those types of snap decisions or whatever. I'm just saying it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But try your best to make sure it doesn't happen. Of course. Right. Yeah. The baseline is don't be a dick. And I think. Right. And I feel like if you are getting to that point, maybe you should just go step away from your table for a little while. Yes. And, you know, go get Absolutely. yourself a hot dog. Yes. You know, or, or you know, sorry, go get yourself a veggie dog. <laughs> and um, no, but you know, yeah, maybe yeah. even maybe even step outside and get some air. Yeah. I remember what was it a couple years ago at New York We when we did New York. Um, we had been out a little too late the night before mm-hmm. and I needed to knock out a Batman commission and I actually just left my table and went and did like a Batman commission for somebody at this like table that was like behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Cause I just didn't want to, I wanted to a make sure that commission looked really good and B I also wanted to, uh, make sure I didn't, you know, say anything stupid to anybody, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, you're trying to focus on the commission. You didn't want to be distracted. I get it. Right. I mean, I remember one year I was somewhere with somebody. You remember somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I was at some convention with one of my people. Good thing you remembered. And and no, I mean, I remember exactly who this was. Once again, I won't use any names. Okay. All right. Okay. This person said, "Uh, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to Ralph. Like right by their table, and I was just what? like, "Dude, you, you better not just Ralph right here at this table, you know? Hey, it's gonna look make me look bad, right? You know? Yeah, and yeah. I like just go, you know, go step somewhere else to Ralph, you know? Yeah, I don't know. This is the great. This people are gonna get <laughs> good impression from me from this podcast <laughs> already. I would have been, I'd been like, do it, do it, throw up, do it." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you don't want that to happen. That's definitely going to make things look bad. And hell, if anybody usually Ralphs around me, I I can sometimes feel like I'm going to Ralph. You oh know? yeah, it causes a chain reaction, right? I like. like you I, I don't think vomit. I've ever used Ralph this much in my entire life. Yeah, you vomit. Maybe when you were describing the Muppets movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Your favorite Muppet, no. Ralph. <laughs> He's a pretty good Muppet, though, isn't he? He's the best Muppet. Yeah, he's a sure. dog and he plays piano. Like, what's there to not yeah, like about that? Yeah, and he <laughs> always seems like he's like character pretty chilled. He's he's nothing really upsets Ralph, yeah. right? Yeah, Ralph is like clearly supposed to be like a black pianist blues guy. Mm-hmm. Like, how mm-hmm. can you hate that? Yeah, I want I want Ralph to be my friend all the time. Right, he would be. But a chill no, roommate. I mean this just generally boils down to. Yeah, be your best at your table, especially if you want to move books and you want people to come see you again. You right. Know? Well, and I mean, the focus, again, I think would be if you're not a huge name, because I think it's easy to lean on that. I think you I think huge names should do the same exact I'm, thing. Again, I'm not and arguing I, I with that point. It, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of a um, it's more detrimental to your wallet, I would say. If you uh, don't oh, think about that, sure. and you're not a yeah, big yeah, name. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get away with that shit. Clearly, we've just but talked about that. But I mean, this that. is comics, though. You, like, 
you could be a big here's i'm not saying they have any right to be i'm just saying it's a thing that happens i'm just i'm also just saying that like this is comics and like you could be a big name this year and not a big name next year very easily comes with the territory yes very much i mean you write you write or draw three bad books and you've already lost like 100 percent of your i mean 50 percent if that's the case explain greg land to me you know, I feel Dude. like that's the the kind of like the rule or the rule breaker to that assumption is like, well, let's just look at Greg Land. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, like <laughs> I don't, man. But you know what? Because I think at that yeah, point, it's I mean, just like, but, oh, just, Greg yeah. Land ain't what he used to be, though. I mean, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, even if anybody listens to this podcast. No, like but, forty people listen. To yeah, I mean, Greg Land ain't what he used to yeah, be. You yeah. know, it's not like he's on the top book. No, anymore. of course. I mean, I don't know? think he was ever a big, big name either, right? I think at one point he was well, like, like you in know, like two thousand one like X Men artist. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, who was yeah. who was really doing anything during the late nineties, early two thousands? I feel like that was like the dead period. I mean, but give me Greg Land any day over like who was that other guy that was like him. Horn? Wasn't there two Gregs that just drew like <laughs> dirty ladies all Maybe. the time? I don't I don't remember. I tend to like I think Greg Horn was the one who did that like it was like the first image to like really offend people in oh. comics where he like did that like computer generated image of like Catwoman just like drinking milk out of a bowl and Batman was just like standing behind her like smirking like yeah, get it. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> No, it does not rule <laughs> at all. I'm sure that uh, made. I'm sure that made numbers. Give me that Milo Minara Spider Woman cover any day. Yeah, over, that's yeah. I mean, there's know. definitely like well done erotica, right? But yeah, I feel like yeah. it's even better though when it's poorly done erotica. <laughs> that <laughs> makes it funnier yeah. and therefore better. No, but I think I think genuinely like Greg Land, like he still gets like fill in oh, jobs. I think I just saw a Hulk cover. He's he going to be a hero. Oh, is he really? Yeah, so I was looking at the guest list, and I was like, oh, Greg Land's going to be here. And I think, you know, at least Greg Land, I mean, I think he does do some sort of tracing, you know? Some sort of? But at least he, like, yeah, I mean, come on, I'm being nice right now. But yeah, you are I think being he, really he nice genuinely, right I think he inks, he, he can ink. Sure. You know? And I, as opposed to his other buddy, uh, Greg Horn, who right. almost looked like he just like right. took a photo of a lady and slapped some sort of Photoshop right. filter. Right. On the I, whole you thing. know, I think um, <laughs> he's good because he's just on time. Right. I, I'd imagine them you should to- just like bleep out the last names. <laughs> yeah. No one will know that when you. <laughs> yeah. When you go to like release. Yeah. It. No one will put those two dots together. <laughs> sure. No, but I think he's consistently around because he's just on time. All you know, like probably editors, I wouldn't doubt that at you know, all. If I was an editor, yeah. I, I wouldn't at that point, especially if I'm an editor for something like Marvel or DC. I'm gonna look at Greg and be like, "Oh yeah, we need this like last minute, and uh, you, we know you're gonna meet this deadline. That's completely impractical." Sure, sure. I think I feel like Katrina got a little more introduced though than I did. We're just gonna roll right in. She did, but that was know? because Cam was there, and so there was no context for Cam in that conversation. So that's why that happened. Whereas mm. it's just you and me. There, you, we don't need to introduce. I, you know, I don't need to introduce you to me because I I know you. <laughs> you know, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Yeah. Hey, JB, this is Aaron. Oh, hey, Aaron. Nice to meet you. <laughs> no, I'm thinking like that's you oh, talking to yeah. yourself. Hey, uh, JB. Hey. Hi. Oh, hey. What's up? Hey. Hey. Um, <laughs> and this is uh, this is Aaron. Oh, hey. Nice to meet you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, are you drunk? You just like like you don't even have me on the podcast. You just like completely like like do a voice yeah. for me like the whole podcast. <laughs> it's just defamation, basically. I'm yeah, just making you fun just of you. claim that I was on the podcast, yeah. and you're just like <laughs> I have a, a local asshole, Aaron Connolly. Oh, hi yeah. guys. <laughs> Well, I make uh, comics and stuff, and I'm, 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 I'm I suck. That and could I'm be stupid. your new podcast gimmick, dude. You could just like imitate different creators in comics, just the way you think that they would act in real life. I feel like we've probably done this on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there like an old radio guy who like used to just do like like he'd like even like call in to himself? Uh, uh, are you thinking of? prairie home companion <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that radio show oh is that done by one whole guy I, no i don't think so i think that has like people in it yeah i think there's like an old radio guy who used to just do like all kinds of voices and he would just like <laughs> talk to himself and he yeah sometimes he'd even like be like okay we got a caller and he'd like just click over and he and he'd do just like a voice for the caller yeah. and like bitch about his like own radio show <laughs> okay the guy's a genius. That guy's a genius. <laughs> oh, speaking of geniuses, uh, we were talking about me and Cam were talking about Rob Liefeld because um, Cam has been going on Rob Liefeld's Instagram and commenting "Hell yeah, Rob" on every one of his posts, and because Rob posts like I don't know, like five or six times a day, he just has to constantly go on his account and say "Hell yeah, Rob," and then he did that. He started doing that about a week ago, and now. Not only is Rob actively liking every time he comments, but now he's going back to all the prior <laughs> posts where he commented and is liking those comments. Oh, my God. I mean, eventually Rob Weifel's going to realize that he's trolling him. You think so? I don't... <laughs> I, don't I think you're giving him credit did you ever for... See, did Matt Allison ever show you how he was, like, trolling Kiss? <laughs> like, the, the entire band? Yeah, he was, like, trolling Kiss on their Instagram no. for, like... For like a long, and he was, it was, what was funny. He doing? It was like genuinely funny. Dude, next time you talk to Matt, like ask him right. to tell okay. you about his like trolling of, of Kiss. He was like writing like stories. He was like, like, I, I won't do this justice at all, but it, it was like, he would like write these stories like, man, I really wish I could come see you guys, but like I broke my leg and my mom <laughs> won't loan me any money. <laughs> it was like, like intense paragraphs okay. on their like Instagram that were hilarious. <laughs> they were like cracking me up. And I'm like, you realize, Matt, though, as amazing as this is, that the band Kiss does not read that. That it's just, like, some guy who, like, runs their Instagram for Right. Them. It's someone who makes very little to put... Well, I don't know, actually, now that I think about it. If they work for the label, well, I mean, they knows? probably it... get paid pretty decently. Yeah, they probably get paid That's something. funny, though. Yeah, I'll sure. ask him. They're probably handling more than just Kiss, Likely. though. You know? They're probably doing all the social media across the board for... You know, a specific set of bands or whatever. I don't know. I'm talking like I know how how this shit works with music. We probably have some eh, idea. Rough Either estimate. Um, Once again, I don't think we 
I got on this podcast to talk about Matt Allison trolling Kiss. I mean, that is, again, I think that is one of our our key themes through the podcast. The podcast is mostly uh, to talk about Matt uh, and his his uh, his his daily routine in social media. Mm. Um, yeah. So what are you working on now? I don't know if I, 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 I actually am working on a bunch of t-shirt designs um, for yourself, a buddy of mine. No, well, yeah, I, well, I'm doing a little bit of that, but I know you were um, talking a about a buddy that. of mine has uh, a local buddy of mine has, um, started a like rash guard, you know, what rash guards are. Yeah. He's starting a, like a rash guard company. Oh, cool. Um, and he's uh, paying me to do a bunch of designs for the rash guard company. And man, I tell you what, he's shown me some of the other rash guards that like sell really well. And I was like, man, I can blow those out of the water, you know? This is for like BJJ stuff, right? Uh, he's like a jujitsu. My buddy Brian is like a jujitsu. Yeah, that's what I mean. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B- so yeah, 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 yeah. jujitsu. Um, well, actually, I, I take that back. Anything even mildly related to MMA or combat sports, like 98% of the merchandise and design stuff is terrible. Like, across yeah, the board. I was board, looking at it, and I was like, wow. It is awful. And he's like, man, I really think we could, like, do something with your artwork on this stuff. And, you know, at this point, I'm just like, like, I want to start working on Sabretooth Swordsman 2. I'm I'm tired of putting it off, but I, at the same time, I can't make no money while I'm working on this. So what does that, where does that leave Sabretooth then? Cause you know, if you can't, cause you were already like Dark Horse already paid for whatever it is that they paid for the upfront, right? To get to. Yeah. We've got, we, we've gotten an advance for book two. We did get an advance for book two. Um, That money is long gone. So at that point, where does that leave uh, the book if you're still actively having? Because I understand that I've been in that place. I'm still technically in that place of like, you know, you're you're working on other things, but then you have these prior commitments and you were paid for them, but you also need to continue working on other stuff to continue getting paid. So where does that leave you? Right. With so it? that comes into a point where I have to decide if I want to try to do this Patreon thing, okay, or. You know, you can go the other angle. Listen, I don't have a real problem with Patreon. I think it's maybe works for some people. On some level, to me, it feels a little bit like I'm begging people for money. Okay. You know? And then also, I'm like, also, I'm like really, I feel like really bad if I started a Patreon and like nobody gave me any money for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like a real chump. You know what I mean? I get it. Okay. Um, But also, I have my buddy Brian, who's like, "Yo, let's do this thing." We, you know, it can be a situation where we, you know, we make a few designs, and you can continue to just like make money from this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if it does yeah. well, if it does well, we'll do like a couple more designs, mm-hmm. and then we'll just see how far this goes. Mm-hmm. Also, I I've got a couple ideas for some T-shirts and pins and stuff that I want to make myself, um, just because I kind of like that stuff. Yeah, I'm you surprised know? you don't do more of that, to be honest. Yeah, um, and I see people who do it that is nice, but I'm like, I, I could do that, you know? Because, like, you already have, I mean, with something like Sabretooth, I, I would, it, uh, like, if I were in your position and I had something like Sabretooth Swordsman and it's got the book out and people are clamoring for the next one, I would just 
put out as much shit as I can out there in terms of like when I table and stuff like pins, shirts, uh, you know, prints. I know. And, you know, I, 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 I'm going to definitely do more of that once we get book two out. I think Matt Allison is a perfect example of somebody who has done really well with sort of like merchandising his own character, you yeah. know, where like, you know, you go to Matt's table and it's like nothing but this like green and purple like color scheme mm-hmm. that just like everything on the table is just like matches and like looks exactly like right. that. And I, I'm really impressed by that, you know, yeah. whole his whole like little setup, you know, he's got. T-shirts, pins, prints, and, you know, what, tote bags that all have this stuff on it. And 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 I think he's done really well from the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Where right now there's not – there's, like, only thing that's available is the old Sabretooth book, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of old in people's minds. I feel like once Sabretooth 2 comes out, I'm going to just, like, load up on that. Um as far as making my own t-shirts and pens, I just have, a, like, random ideas, you right, know, yeah. of, like, some cool stuff that I'd like to do. You, I mean, you also um, have those, like, uh, those buttons, you know? So, I remember it was, like, three or maybe three years ago, you had buttons of some of the characters from the, the Sabretooth Swordsman book. A lot of those yeah, could yeah, be yeah, reused yeah, yeah. for into, like, different merch, because, you know, the pins or whatever, but you can make sure. them into actual lapel pins or make them into more, like uh, like, shirts and stuff like that. You know, simple stuff that's, like... Very straightforward. Right. Right. And I, I want to definitely do more of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, otherwise, though, I'm going to, after I'm done with this uh, rash guard stuff, I'm going to do that, a five pager for that, um, those beef jam guys. Okay. And, th- th- I, th- and there's something else in the works, but I don't want to talk about it yet because I'm not can sure. Can you talk about it off air? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can okay. tell you, and it's not even a huge thing, but it's going to be something kind of fun. Um, okay. But other than that, I'm I'm hoping to get actually start drawing on Saber Two Swordsman Two at the end of the month. How much of it? Because you already have the script, obviously. Damon has that. Yeah, so I've got the whole. Did you already script, start? We've got the yeah. whole script worked out. I've got the whole book laid out in like uh, thumbnail form. You know. Okay, so you do have it all thumbed. Yeah, I have the whole book thumbed. But I'll okay. probably well, even that's go it. that's over that one more time before I start working on it at the end of the month. Um, okay. Because I thumbed the whole thing about it. Like, that was a while I think back. Right was before like two... I, yeah, right before I started Bully Wars, I had just finished thumbing Sabertooth oh, okay. 2. Yeah. Okay. So that okay. was a little over a year ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so I'm going to probably go over that again. Um Make sure we got everything really tight, and then I'll start, like, hardcore drawing it. I actually drew, like, the first three pages of it. That's about all I have. But I definitely remember there being a couple points where it could be a little more dynamic, you know? I was going to say, knowing you, you're probably just going to redo those pages anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They look pretty good, even when I look at them now. Okay. I'm, that, all right. I'm surprised by that. Okay. Yeah. But that's how I always am. Like, I could draw something and in that moment, like, completely hate it. And mm-hmm. if I step away from it, it's like when I draw a comic, I'll draw a comic and hate like every thing in the whole thing. Yeah. And then I get like my comp copy in the mail and I'll just yeah. be like, oh, dang, this looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. like really good. You know, well, that- so you've been you consistently use the same colorist or at yeah. least 
you know, get get the same guy and and he's really good with I feel like he works really well with the way you work. Yeah, he understands my stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really hard to finding getting matched up with a colorist in terms of that. I mean, he looks me. Like, he makes me look better than I actually am. I think a lot of times, you know. I mean, that's that, that's the colorist job. I would yeah. say, right? I would say that that's a lot of problems with a lot of colorists in these books these days is they don't do that, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we can. That's a whole other conversation, right? right? Like, yeah, we can. I would. I would say. I mean, because like, you know, there. It's so interesting because like you know, Marvel and DC and Image and like well, most most like rack books, you know, like single issue books that you buy at the comic shops that get distribution, like major distribution, a lot of that labor is still divided up between, you know, pencilists or pencils, inks, colorists, letters, etc. Um, and then you got, you look at stuff like uh, small press or even, even smaller than that self-published stuff. Um, and again, this can, de- it, it depends on the type of work that they're doing and what scene they're involved in what, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, all that stuff is usually not regimented out that way. It's usually handled by just one singular person. Oh, yeah. Like, do you prefer? I, and that's a inter- that's a really interesting thing because it's it's funny it's, because it's all the books, right? all the books that that like that I grew up with and that like really like like really like touched like a like a hardcore place in my heart. You know? Yeah. Were dudes who were writing, drawing. And coloring their own books, if there even was color, you know? Right, right, yeah. And it's funny to me that we now, we have this, like, industry, and you and I might have talked about this before, but we have this whole industry where, like, every year they're like, oh, who's who's the best writer? And who's the best colorist? And <laughs> yeah, who's the best right. cover artist? You know? Yeah. And, and 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 I like some of that stuff. I mean, I genuinely think, you know... There are some guys who uh, can really do a badass comic book cover, you know, especially if you ever go back and look at those, you know, fables covers that James Jean was doing back in the day, you know? Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, just beautiful. And I think to this day, people are still trying to cop those covers, you know? But it's weird to me, though, that's like, like, like when people talk about like the best like writer in comics, and I'm like, you know, the best writer in comics was probably like Charles Burns, you know, or like <laughs> Chris right. Ware, yeah, 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 you know, like yeah, those guys were really truly the best writers in comics, you know, mm-hmm. but like and inkers but, and pencils, <laughs> right, right, they did it all, yeah, like we're only yeah, we're this yeah, guy, yeah, this yeah. one guy who won the award this year, like wrote like. Some superhero so wrote Moon Knight, you know, and we're all the, like, one at one and I, man, for this, best yeah, this guy like wrote yeah. Moon, the best Moon Knight comic this year, you know, right? Yeah. And we're supposed to all be like, oh, man, that Moon Knight. Did you guys read that Moon Knight? Like, that was the best Moon Knight, you know? Yeah. And I think I think with the Eisners and just uh, like that field in general. I think they understand that because it's more of this, it's more of this industry thing where it's, it's kind of accepted as things are being divvied out. Like the labor is divided up that way just because it's just part of, it's just part of uh, uh, that process. Cause it's less, it's seen less as like an art form and more as 
uh, people making a product. Right. right? So it's, it's like, like what? Like so who what, was the best drone this year? Well, no, because think about the Academy Awards, right? They have they uh, yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. But I just think that it's just very strange because you know, like, here's the thing: like, an issue of Love and Rockets probably came out this past year. But yeah. like, will that be on any of these like best writer lists? Mm, probably not. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Jimenez brothers are are them like they they're already a name giving them an award at this point seems like i don't know it, it seems weird but if right? they genuinely did write like even if the one issue of luck and rockets came out that came out this year was I like know you mean though yeah 20 times better than anything anybody else in comics wrote like sure. we're supposed to just not give them an award because we already like love and know them and uh, worship mean, the ground that they walk I, on I honestly don't understand the selection process for Eisner, so I couldn't really comment on that. Same with, you know, Ignatz or any comic. Well, I know how it works. Award, whatever. I mean, I know exactly how it works. Is Well, yeah, so so shed some light on that for people that, like, me don't know. All right. So the Eisners, like, do their thing every year, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this. Who knows? What? <laughs> is this industry secret? You're required to not talk about it? I don't think many people know that this is the way that it works. But so the Eisners like reach out to all the different companies, right? And the companies are like, the Eisners are like, so what do you guys got? So Dark Horse will be like, here's like, here's like the five books this year that we thought were like the best books that we did, you know? And yeah. then the Eisners will go to the image and be like, what do you guys got? And the image will be like, these are the five best books that we got this year. And they'll do the same thing with all these big companies, you know, and whoever else is involved, you know, boom studios. Sometimes maybe there's an offshoot company that ends up getting involved and can maybe submit like one or two books. Yeah. Then the Eisners will go through those books and then they'll pick from those books. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how they exactly do it when it comes to like pencilers and inkers. It might work kind of the same way. Um, but yeah, that's I. I'm pretty sure that's pretty much how it works, I, and that's what I've read and what I've heard in the past. Could be a little different now. I try not to blow blow a lot of smoke out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure that's pretty close to how it works. Okay, huh? I mean, that sounds about right. I it um the way you you're describing that selection process definitely would make sense in terms of you know, the, the type of offerings that you see in the Eisner Awards. And I don't say, I'm not saying that as in like a denigrating way. It's just, you kind of tell where the direction of a lot of this, this stuff goes, right? Like it's, it's, you never look at a list of the Eisner nominees and be like, huh, I don't know. I never heard of that. Or, you know, I don't know. I mean, there'll be a few here and there, you know, it's nice because, you know, I won, I didn't win an Eisner, but I won that Russ Manning award that year. Um, and that like, which is basically an Eisner. I mean, yeah. I like, it, it goes along with the Eisners, but yeah, the thing that's pretty cool about that award is it's called like the best newcomer award. Um, and now that I, but, that yeah. I've won that award, I get to actually every year, um, vote in that award. So oh, that's cool. So every year when it comes close to Eisner times, they'll contact you write me. my name in. Uh, oh, okay. They'll contact me and be like, are you still at this address? Because we're going to send you like five books that are up for this Russ Manning award. And I'll get a stack so of books in the mail and I'll look through the books and I'll say, uh, this is the 
out of what I have here, this is the one I think is the best, you know? Have you, at that point then, have you ever gotten a selection of books and been like, all these are great across the board, or all of these are not good? <laughs> last year was tough. I'm not going to say really? what was on there, but last year was tough. Tough in what way? I did not know what to vote for. I okay. was really, really like, woo, woo. You know, um, but I ended up voting on something, and I, I don't think what I even voted on one, so that didn't okay. even matter, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, a lot of, I don't really understand what any of that stuff means in the long run for people. It's a popularity contest. Sure. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah, most of I mean, do you are, think sure. that Chris Ware even really cares whether he wins, wins an Eisner or not? Probably same with the, you know, the Hernandez I mean, bros. yeah, we could list a whole bunch of names and they wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, they probably, who cares? You know, yeah, I feel like that's something that you kind of care more about in your early to mid career. But then once you're later in your career and you're kind of just doing your thing already, who like what what does it matter at that point? Yeah, I mean, you're just making what you're making and hopefully people are buying it. And, you know, that's yeah. That's, and also think of all the great artists and creators that have never been nominated. You know, yeah, I don't, know. Like, it's, Al it's, I don't think Al Columbia has ever won an Eisner. You know, yeah, hey, there's something yeah. really That's upsetting kind of... about that. <laughs> but also indicative of why those types of things should only be taken for a grain of salt or with a grain of salt, rather. Sure. One of my favorite artists of all time is Steve Root, and I know that he actually run, won the Russ Manning Award um, one time. So that's pretty cool. Oh, so maybe he voted uh, on you. Yeah, that's he might have. He might have voted go. for me. That's yeah, pretty interesting to think about, but he might not have either. Right, he might have looked that yeah. looked at that name, Aaron Conley was like. He might have looked at Sabertooth Swordsman and been like, "What are people freaking allowing to be published these days?" But maybe he's super nice because have you ever seen that thing where Alex Toth just like ripped up Steve Rude? No. Uh, so so Steve Rude and like Alex Toth were like kind of buds. You know who Alex Toth is, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, amazing artist. Yeah, right. For the listeners out there, Alex Toth is the guy who did a lot of designs for the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons and also went on to make some of the most amazing, beautiful comics probably ever made. And yeah, I bet Alex I mean, Toth never won an Eisner either. The, the, even people that are listening to this that are in animation, like, go look at Toth's designs and then look at the animations and realize the disconnect. Dude, there's a book that things. you can get. I don't know if it's still available, but I have it. You can probably find it on amazon or something but it is like it's like a collection of like every character design that he like ever did for like hannibal Barbera, mm -hmm. and it is one of the most amazing books i have ever owned in my entire life it is just just mind-blowing and if you if i ever need inspiration i just like flip through that book and i'm just blown away um yeah but the yeah. thing is steve rude who well, Drew Nexus and all this, like, really cool, like, early 90s, late 80s stuff. Him and Alex Toth were pals. And Steve Rude did, like, a like a four... Steve Rude was, like, hugely influenced by Alex Toth. And he, like, drew this, like, four-page, like, Johnny Quest story. That if you and I looked at that four-page Johnny Quest story, it might have been five pages, who knows. But yeah. if you and I were to look at that, we would be like, Holy crap, this is better than anything we have ever drawn and better than most of the things our peers have ever drawn. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
because he was a huge Alex Toth fan and because he because Alex Toth worked actually I think a little bit on Johnny Quest, he like sent Toth this like Johnny Quest thing that he did in the mail, you know? Yeah. And Toth yeah. just like just like wrote back like just wrote back to him and just like tore up like every panel of like every page <laughs> and just told him like exactly what was wrong with like the whole strip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like Dude, that guy was he right? I've never like read it in detail. I've read bits and pieces here, and you know, I it's it's hard for me to read it because, like I said, Steve Root is like one of my big inspirations, and um, because they can both be right. They Root could both make be a right. great I mean, comic, he, it, and then Toth could have been like, "This is how you make it better." Sure. But this was after it was already been published. I think. Of course. I mean, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the thing was that, I mean, the the ending of the story was I heard that um, Alex Toth was kind of a grumpy bastard just in general, you know? Sounds um, like every cartoonist yeah, is, right? since the beginning of time. That's because we get no respect and we get no money. Yeah, yeah. But we, like, work hard. But then we, like, if you work- do get a lot of money, it's because you did something that's not even comics. Oh, yeah, right. Let's not even get into that whole... Yeah, this podcast deal. goes into that, like... 30 times an episode so we don't really need to touch on, <laughs> on that i mean give me that money though i'll let michael bay make any one of my creations into yeah a movie. yeah whatever happened to um because i haven't really been paying attention uh to the the new i've just been so busy but um andy's andy show the ninja turtle run i don't know i think it's doing pretty good i hear it gets good reviews and okay i um i was worried there for see a lots of toys at the toy store i don't i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing you know okay um, i was worried for i him, don't because a lot of people no, were hating I, on it i've been meaning to sit down and watch it but i've actually been re-watching adventure time okay didn't that and end pete and pete, pete, and pete. <laughs> oh yeah you have my tvd still uh did you get both seasons or just season one yeah yeah i snaked both seasons okay Okay. It's funny because I told Clifford that story when we got back in town, and Clifford was like, I had those DVDs. You could have just borrowed mine. Of and course I was like, he did. Oh, dang it. I didn't even know why you grabbed them. It was just like, it was like I was at the door and I saw them, and I was just like, oh, man. Because, you know, they're like super expensive to order online. They are now. Right? You can't watch. They're not streamable? No. P&P is not streamable. That's bizarre. And you can watch it on YouTube, but all the quality is like really freaking terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I watched like last Halloween, I watched like the Halloween episode just because I was like itching to see those kids with the pumpkins on their heads, you know? Oh yeah, Halloweeny. And, but yeah, but the quality is so terrible on there, man. Yeah. Okay. That was a good show. It is a very good show. Yeah. Either way, what do we want to talk about? Some? Do you want to ask me some real interview questions? I did ask what? you some real interview questions. I asked you about your book. I asked you about what you're working on. Um. Mm. We talked about con stuff. That's kind of relevant. Yeah. What else do you think your listeners would like to know from me? How big is your penis? We'll be right back. So how long have you been drawing comic books? I was seven years old, little kid. What did your parents think about it? Oh, they hated it. They hated it. Oh, yeah. What do they say now that you make a living at it? I don't really make a living at this. And you create G-Man? Mm-hmm. What is this drawing of? This is the cameraman. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head, which will record this parody commercial. So, Rob. Chris. Chris. Have you had any formal art training? No. Just, uh, 
a lot of imagination, I guess. Pretty good fit. To be honest with you, I draw in sweatpants. Learning to fly. Now, back to our program. Now that I think about it, who has said the worst thing on this podcast besides me? Oh, geez, I can't even. That I mean, what we just said was probably the mildest. Oh, guts to be good. honest, All right. I mean, the show is called Gutter Boys. I don't, you know, yeah. it kind of comes yeah. with the territory. No, I was gonna have Tony Moore on on an episode, and then I, I forgot to follow up with him. But um, I don't, I don't think he would have given a shit if if it got really weird or gross. Mm. It, if anything, mm. I think he's way more open to to that than than most. I've never met him. That's weird. Well, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, he doesn't really do many cons, so that makes sense. Mm. That Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, he's a really nice guy. I've heard his like convention is really fun, though, the one that he runs himself, right? He used to run it. Doesn't he run one? He, him oh, and his wife, Kara, do it ran... Anymore? Yeah, yeah, they stopped running it because it was just not... It, they, it wasn't making as much money as they'd hoped, and I think it was just like... I think they were losing more money than anything. Uh, I'm not really 100% sure. I, I, that's actually... That convention is why I know him, really, outside of... Right. That's what I it thought. Was, well, it was. It, I thought. I think Alexis told me that was a really fun convention. It is. Too. It was a very fun show. It was similar to Heroes because a lot of the same Heroes people were were going to that event. Yeah. You know. So it was like yeah. it was like a Heroes part. I two. think that's like near where Neil lives or something. Though, where was that convention? Was it in Cincinnati yeah, it was or something? Technically, northern Kentucky, right across the river from Cincinnati. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. No, no, no. You're right. That's because. The out of step arts people were always there. Mm, there you go. Yeah, probably had yeah, something yeah. to do with that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it was usually about a week or two before SPX. Yeah, that's what so I thought. That's it was a I nice thought. little cushion event. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, which you know, now that that's gone, I'm starting to do SPX. Now SPX pretty much takes that slot. Um, so it worked out, I guess. Not for not for Tony and Kara, obviously, but. <laughs> Yeah, that show was really fun though. I, I and honestly, I got to know a lot more people at that show than Heroes in a lot of ways. Like that show is where I really got to know like Andrew and uh Andy Bellinger mm. and uh Evan Dorkin. Um and who else? Oh, and I actually I met uh oh boy. I do this shit a lot on this fucking podcast. This podcast should be changed to shit JB can't fucking remember for the life of him. Oh my god. I listen to this podcast and I'm just like why does JB even have a comics podcast? Because I listen to it, and you're like, it doesn't sound like you really like comics. Yeah, that's It doesn't yeah, seem true. like you really know much about comics, to No, be that's honest. not true. That's I not mean, true. We both know that's not true. You know, like, your little scene, which is cool. And you that's know, what like... I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, more yeah, about yeah. that. But when it comes yeah. to, like, talking about just, like, normal comic, you're just like, Mm. Why do people read, even read this stuff? And I'm just like, JB, you're, you have a <laughs> comics podcast. Well, comics is a very broad term. Uh, yeah. It's like, you uh, know, there's different comics for different people. We're like your buddy. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Cam. Yeah, yeah. I, I go to a comic shop every week. I love comics. Yeah, Cam is the balance. He's the counterpoint to, to, to me. That's why it works. No, you guys need like a third person who's like, Somewhere in the middle. Oh, that's Dylan. Oh, that's, I don't that's know. Dylan. I, yeah. So well, I maybe only listen to one. He's Katrina's friend. 
Katrina oh, yeah. used to be okay. friends with Dylan back when they lived in, in Salt Lake. Back you guys just need to have days. Katrina like back on like all the time. I feel like uh, she's yeah, like the I would middle. That. She's like the middle in between you two guys. You know? No, I would say she's way more optimistic than me and Cam put together. Maybe not anymore though. We won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Man, you like threw me off. Oh, you were saying about how you forget everything. Yeah, and now I, I, I just forgot the thing that I forgot about because yeah, of God course, damn yeah. it. Um, no, JB. it was something. And JB's like, I don't like, on. I don't really like comics. Oh, 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 I don't know yeah, much so, about so, comics, and I'm also tired all the time. Yes. Um, well, that's what happens when you have a full-time job and you're working 40 hours on, on top of that. So what, what was, uh, prison pit, Johnny, Johnny Ryan, Johnny Ryan. Yeah, that's right. Cause his, his first and last name is just two first names. Oh yeah. That's Did the, you meet him there one time? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was super casual and you know, there wasn't a ton of people and he didn't have anything except but he was like, just like there. He was just there tabling and he had his own table. He had like some highlighter and ballpoint pen drawings. <laughs> That That's he did amazing. in his office. He, he had like a little stack of drawings that he did. He explained, oh, these are just drawings that I did at my office. Did he at, say at like Nicol- why he didn't even have yeah. any books though? No, he didn't explain that part. He he said he had these little stack of drawings that he did at his office at Nickelodeon, which means most of his day is just him in an office at Nickelodeon studio. And he's just drawing these these ridiculously stupid drawings. With with his office supplies, his well, because he was like the show. Ru- he was like him and Dave were Dave Cooper were like the showrunners of yeah. that pig goat banana cricket thing. Exactly. Yeah. Which I guess I, um, he's not doing a whole. Yeah. Lot. Him, Dave, Dave Cooper, <laughs> and him were. But you got to think when you're like a showrunner uh, for something like that, you're probably, probably like, a lot of like dead you probably time. sit in the writers' room. You guys yeah. come up with an episode. Sure. Well, yeah. Then you then you maybe like maybe go back to your little office and like maybe do a character design or two for the day. Yeah. Or like maybe also like uh approve a couple things, you know? Yeah. Maybe on Wednesdays you have to go like the editing room and like make sure the episodes are like edited correctly or the the Japanese team that actually animated it did everything right, right you know? Right, right, right. Or like the Korean team that did the coloring. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, and after that you're just like Hmm. Well, that's my day. <laughs> yeah, I think I here's, used to here's follow. Hitler. Here's Hitler ejaculating in, into a yeah. into a mug <laughs> my, that says. My Jews. favorite one that he did recently was. Uh, did you see that movie that came out? That was called. Um, it was like a Jack Black movie, and it was called a House with a Clock in the in the Wall. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That was the name of the movie. But Johnny Ryan just did this illustration, and he, he wrote. The house with a cock in its balls. <laughs> Excellent. It was just an illustration of a house with a nutsack, and the nutsack had a penis inside the nutsack. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds about right for Johnny <laughs> Ryan. Maybe crack up so much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny, Johnny I, Ryan. <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah, he's he's a very normal guy. Yeah. I mean, and he's another person that's like, if you ask me, like, what the best writing in comics was, like. In 2018, I'd be like, prison pit all the way, you know? Yeah. Everybody's, like, so serious in comics. They're like, everything I write has to be, like, a TV show, you know? Oh, well, that's a whole whole other thing, right? Like, when people are clearly making comics, and it it just reads 
like a, a yeah. It reads like a uh, an elevator pitch for a TV yeah. show more than a comic. Ugh. Yeah, that's Man. symptomatic of the whole. You know, there's no money in comics. There's only money in in TV and movie adaptations. Uh, this is your. This is like one of those ways to get to that point, right? So. I get it. I get it. I, it's it's shitty, but you know I understand why why that exists. It's nice when it happens to people like Chuck Forsman, who are comics people, because yes. you feel like somebody like him is just going to use that money to like pay his bills and make more fun comics. I agree you know what entirely. I mean? Yes, I feel way more comfortable with with Chuck doing his thing and then getting an adaptation and getting his check versus you know, uh, cowboys and aliens type of situation where it's clearly, yes. it's clearly just a scam to get a movie made. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Or right. even like Klaus and, and Burns too. Like, you know, they, they got their, their checks for that stuff, but that didn't stop them from continuing to make amazing comics. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And you know, I just said this to Matt Allison the other day, I was talking to Matt Allison on the phone about comics and just like, how much of comics is just like a big popularity contest and how everybody like... Well, we talk about know, that a lot. Yeah, how everybody wants to be so cool and they want to be like the best artist and the and, or the best writer and like, like the most popular in comics, you know? But like, there's an old quote from Dan Clouds. It's like, being popular in comics is like being popular at badminton. <laughs> right. You know, like, yes, there's like a bunch of like, Guys and gals out there who, like, love, like, what any one of us do, you know? And, like, they, like, know our name and they, like, follow us on Instagram or um, make sure they, like, buy all the comics that we put out, you know? And make sure they, like, come over and say hello at the shows. But, like, truly in the grand scheme of things, like, we, we're just, no, we're just a bunch of nobodies, you know? Even well, the, like, biggest guy in comics. Like, does your mom know who Todd McFarlane is? My mom doesn't know anyone outside of, like, Michael Jackson and, like, whoever is doing a, a Korean soap drama. I mean, that says a lot, though. I mean, she knows Michael Jackson's name. Yeah, but everyone knows who Michael Jackson is. Like, that guy was a phenomenon. He wasn't even a human, really. He was, like... That's true. He well, was like, so untouchable and on this other realm that he could actively just fuck kids for years. And there was oh, nothing not anybody could do that. about it. Oh, so depressing. Anyway. Oh, like, I couldn't... But, like... Who do you know that's, like, kind of a cool person, but, like, doesn't really, like, know anything about comics? Uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Would they know who Todd McFarlane was? Uh, probably not. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy thing. Like... But, like, who know? I mean, the only reason... I Like, there's only one person that the, the most base sort of general population would know is Stan Lee. And, and he didn't even actively make comics. He was just an editor. No, he wrote comics. I mean, I really have a hard time calling him a writer. Well, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, he wrote comics. Like, he wrote the dialogue. I mean, whether or not he wrote these stories. You know, here's a good. I see him as more of a know, figure. Stanley gets a lot of. Than anything you know, Stanley gets a lot of beef from us artists because we all love Jack Kirby. And Jack Kirby is, of course, the man. You know, there would really be no Marvel Universe without Jack Kirby. Sure, sure. I but. Know. If you read that book, Marvel, The Untold Story, which is an amazing book, and, like, anybody even, like, kind of into comics should read that book. It's a, it's a beautiful, amazing book. It's called Marvel, The Untold Story. Yeah. But there's a story in that book where John Romita Sr. 
mm-hmm. talks about how there were, at one time Stan and Jack both lived in Brooklyn where he lived. Yeah. So he would just hitch a ride with them every day. And he said in those rides home that Stan and Jack would be in the car and they would be talking about like what they were going to do next in Fantastic Four. And they were throwing ideas back and forth off of each other. Right. Like Ramita says, you know, Stan was definitely like putting ideas out there, you know? Of course. And the thing is that, of course, yes, Jack Kirby would go home and like draw the whole issue. But then Stan would come and like fill in the dialogue and like write little things here and there. I mean, he wasn't the best writer. No, he wouldn't have probably won like writer of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the writing. But is... he was a writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and, and, and he had a lot to do, especially when you read. It's, it's a crazy thing because when you speaking of that same book, when you read that book, like where like nerd culture is like right now, like where comics are and the movies and stuff like that. Dude, Stan Lee was trying to make that stuff happen, like, 25 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, 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 and failed. Yeah. Like, miserably well, failed. Well, he just failed at that point because, you know, well, it was, he's not the culture was just not prepared for no. it. No. No, 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 no. The no. culture was just not prepared for I, it. I disagree. I think he just wasn't good at it. Because look at, look at all the stuff that was adapted or had his name, like Stan Lee's, et cetera, and so forth. You remember, the uh, they had a couple of series like this, but one of them that sticks out, uh, uh, Pamela Anderson was like a character uh, that Stan Lee created. wasn't tied to any comic books. It was just a you know character he created, and it was called Stan Lee's Blank. It was the name of the show and the name of the character, and it tanked. Like no one gave a shit, and the people that watched well, no, it no, just no, no, no. Unanimous, on, on. unanimously like, said it was terrible. That was terrible. like later on. That was like that was probably yeah, like that the late nineties. That was no, no, no. That was ten years after the failures uh, of all their attempts at adaptations. That ended up just being thrown to like you know shitty studios and were made on like shoestring budgets. Well, but that never happened with Marvel. What do you mean it didn't? What? Do you... No, when Stan Lee finally got there's Captain there's Captain America. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But but at the same time though, Stan Lee had something to do with like the first Blade movie getting made, and that's like to this day that's like has a lot to do with where we even are in the like movie Marvel thing. You know, maybe I I feel like more that has to do with Tim Burton's Batman. Right? Maybe and maybe no, right? no, no, no I wouldn't like, disagree. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But 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 they tried to make more comic book movies yeah, yeah, after yeah. that, and they yeah. failed. Yeah, you yes. know. Yeah, um, I mean, the except farthest, for Ninja Turtles, which was amazing. Well, I was going to say the farthest that they gotten into it was the TV show, the Hulk TV show, because that was trying to introduce yeah. other characters like Thor and Daredevil. You know, they didn't do it well because they didn't have a whole lot of money to work with, but there but were But that attempts. show was on the air for a long time. I think that show was like yeah. five or six seasons, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 like, for sure. I don't think it had anything to do... I don't think it had anything to do with how good or bad Stan Lee was at it. I think whether he was good or bad, the culture was just not prepared for it at that time, you know? But, uh, Comic I mean, books was still considered a kid's thing, you know? And that's why um, I would attribute... Tim Burton's Batman to really making it a credible thing. I think that's somewhat of it. I think that's definitely, don't get me wrong, I think that's definitely somewhat of it. I remember, like, I remember my my cousin, who mm-hmm. I thought was, like, the coolest guy on the block. Yeah. Like, used to, like, make fun of me for, like, liking the Ninja Turtles, you know? Sure. But then when that movie came out, I remember my cousin was like, hey, man, did you see the Ninja Turtles movie yet? And I hadn't even seen yeah. it yet. Yeah. You know? It's a great and movie. he was like, I was like, no, I haven't got to see it yet. And he was like, it's really awesome. I think yeah. we're going to go see it again tonight. But you I, know? I don't think a studio would have taken those types of risks without 
a precedent like Batman. Oh, I no, I completely agree with you. But what I'm saying, though, is I think there's a lot of elements that mm-hmm. sort of like... Sure, of like, course, but, right. Like, the there's just so many more like man babies, just like in general. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean... And we're, yeah. You know, it's like we all... Like so many more people are so willing, so much more willing to just like accept like more like juvenile things these days. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even say it's these days. I think that has always been the case. It's just, I mean, because think about like uh, the early 2000s or the late 90s, right? So you said you mentioned Blade and then after that you had Spider-Man and then you had all those X-Men movies, right? And those all made a butt ton of money. Oh, yeah. I, I tend to forget about those, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and. Every time a new Spider-Man movie came out, it was a big deal. Every time a new X-Men movie came out, it was a big deal. Superman, yeah. hell, I, I just forgot Superman. Like, those Superman movies predate Tim Burton's Batman movies, and those were seen as, like, legit movies, right? Oh, with a absolutely. With a big budget, and people were going out to see them, even the yeah, shitty what, third I mean, one. like, I, what, is the first Superman, like, I think it's, like, produced by Francis Ford Coppola, and it's directed by, like, right. Richard Donner, right. who so, were, like, I mean, big names in the, in the movie industry at that time. Right. I think there was always a willingness to, to watch and consume superhero movies. It's just, I, I think uh, it was a matter of how that material was approached. Sure, sure. And I'm not even talking, we got off track a bit. I'm just yeah. talking about, I'm just talking about like, just like nerd culture, like in right. general. I mean, well, I guess what the main point that I'm getting at here is I never thought Stan Lee, Stan Lee to me reminds me in some ways of George Lucas. George Lucas is great as long as you filter his ideas through other people who know what works and what doesn't work, right? So, like, with Stan Lee, he had a bunch of great ideas. He also had a lot of terrible ideas. Oh, sure. But who does? I mean, who doesn't, though? Like, and a lot of that stuff just had to know, be filtered like, out. Really, truly. And a lot of that stuff just had to be filtered out. I can honestly say I cannot think of a single thing Charles Burns has done or touched yeah, that was bad. Maybe, luckily, though, he's got, like, a good, like, sounding board, you know? <laughs> maybe. But, I mean, again, I think that's somebody who, if that's the case, that's someone who knows their own shortcomings. I don't think someone like Stan Lee, or clearly not George Lucas, knows their own shortcomings. No, I definitely, you know, yeah, I, I, I def- definitely think that Stan Lee's trying to constantly throw a lot more, or at the, when he was alive, was definitely trying to throw a lot more things sure, at a wall sure. and seeing what sticks, for sure, for sure. But I'm what I right, am right. saying, though, but is I think also that he, retroactively taking credit for stuff yeah, that he didn't sure. create. But I definitely too. think that deep down, Stan Lee had a, had a lot of passion for these characters and really liked these characters. Of course. And really wanted them to sort of be in, be in more hands than just like that general guy who walked down to the, you know, uh, smoke shop every week and picked up a few comic books. You know what I'm saying? Um, or, or, you know, the local mm-hmm. Walmart or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, he definitely thought that this mm-hmm. that that comics and the characters and the creators like should be like you know should be treated like movie directors almost you know should be as popular as as yeah. um uh you know rock stars or, or, or like i said you know the most famous movie directors um novelists even let's use that yeah. for example yeah and they just and right. and he, and he right. just thought you know yo why doesn't this world seem to like get how like like big time this this all this product could really be you know and then it did then it did happen and luckily he got he got to see a bit of it before he died you know 
Um, yes, I definitely right. think that, yeah. I mean, Stanley was a businessman, and like you said, he was a bit of a carnival barker. Yeah, he took credit for some things that he probably shouldn't have taken credit for. And, right, and in the grand, again, the reason why I brought him up originally was he's really one of the few people that anyone can point to and be like, you could know nothing about comics and know who Stan Lee is. Yes, very And that's true. just, I think that's very more true. indicative of how good of a carny he was. Of being being able to situate himself in that type of position when really in in the grand scheme, but of also things, him being a, a bit of a carny was like why Marvel Comics exists to this day. The, Marvel Comics was this company that was called Timely before it was called Marvel Comics, and they were going to shut Timely. Right. They were they actually did shut Timely down. Where Stan where Stan mm-hmm. was like I think he was like related to the guy who owned Timely or something. And he was like, "Yo, let me give this a new name and give it a, like a, another." Like one more, one more shot, you know, and and the guy was like, "All right, uh, you know, his uncle or whatever was like, you got it. Um, I'm give you one more shot. You know, you could be, you could be the publisher now. You're gonna be the editor. Like, you make it happen." And Stan went and you know, and and here's a crazy thing. Like Stan went and got Jack Kirby, where Jack Kirby was just like, I don't know what he was doing at that time exactly, but you know, like Jack Kirby was probably more like us, where we're just like. We just want to, like, sit in our basements and, like, draw. No. No, you know? no, no. Jack, well, in that regard, yeah, but I, I, Jack, to me, was, Jack is very much a product of his time. There's never really going to be another person No, no, like no, that. for sure. But I'm just saying, like, like, Jack never wanted to be a carnival bark, you know? No, of course not. Yeah. He didn't, right. he was a very no-nonsense yeah. guy. He, like, right, but, like, he made comics, and then he went and killed Nazis, and then he came right. back to the right, country right, and right, continued right, right, right. making comics. But, you know... <laughs> Like, sometimes somebody like Jack Kirby needs a Stan Lee in their life. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I, I No, I agree with that. The, I mean, them working together is the reason why we have all those things. Uh, it's just that, you know, Kirby yes. was... Kirby wasn't completely disillusioned by the whole thing. And also wasn't actively lying to himself about, you know, the, the business and who's doing what. But sometimes to be a carnival barker, you gotta be that kind of guy. You know? Yeah, you have to be a scumbag. Yeah. yeah. He's a bit on some level, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, you I know? get that. I mean, look at, I mean, this is like another realm uh, that kind of correlates with my interests, but you, you look at someone like Vince McMahon from WWE. Oh, yeah. And the empire he I created. I mean, come on. If Stan Lee had muscles, he would be Vince McMahon. Oh, my God, yes. They yeah. were they're very similar in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. again, you saying he basically got the business from his family member or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a situational thing. It's not like he actively created this company from the ground up. It's the same thing with Vince McMahon. He got it from his dad, Vince Sr. And he was Yeah, but, but once again, he was I mean, were they going to shut it down and he like like No, but here's the yeah. thing though, where he where his dad had very much developed this sort of um it basically what WWWF was that Vince Sr. held was very much like a bigger name and a bigger promotion, but was very much restricted in that territory system, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we run the New York area, but all these other promotions run all the other regions and areas across the country. So we actively have to work with them uh, either through some sort of organization like the NWA or some sort of league or whatever, some sort of like business agreement. Vince McMahon Jr. then came in and was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want any competition, basically. Mm. I want to be I want to be the big name in the game. And anybody in this country that wants to go see wrestling, they have to go through me. Mm. And he basically changed the way people think about wrestling as a business because yeah. he actively 
took out all of his competitors, and not even just in the United States, but also in Canada too. And, well, and yes, and Stan, I think Stan Lee did a bit of that with comics too. Yeah, you of know, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, you know, like I said, I, you see a lot of people like talk a lot of crap about Stan Lee, you know, but I, I, I do think at the end of the day, uh, the, we did need we did need Stan Lee a bit, you know. Sure, and, and you we, can you, you can like you can acknowledge those contributions, but also be like, oh, and also. This was all very terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, sure. You yeah. can do both. Right. You know. And I think like, that there's other, there's a lot of other terrible people in, in this business as well. And of course, that have done good things. Oof. Comics you know? has a lot of that. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that have uh, done good things. And that, I think it's, it's that way with anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, Harvey Weinstein was a scumbag, but he, he greenlit probably like 10 movies that you probably love to this day. You yeah, know what I mean? Pretty much every Coen Brothers film, right? There you go. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, I mean, sometimes we need... But you know what? I would argue uh, those Coen Brothers films would probably have got, gotten produced with or without Weinstein. Sure. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that at you all. Know, and I think the same with Kirby, too. Like, if there was no Stan Lee, I don't think the world would have been missing a Kirby. Kirby would have uh, always Ah, you been never there. know. You never I, know. I disagree. I think we just would have seen more DC Kirby. I'm telling you, when Timely when time, Timely came back to be Marvel, mm -hmm. Stan was like, I need this guy Jack. We got to get this guy well, Jack yeah, back. Because you know he's a great talent. Right. Right. Had Stan Lee not been like, yo, Kirby, because you know, Kirby, like I think Kirby worked in animation for a while too. Mm -hmm. We might have lost Kirby forever. You know, in the, I'm not going to say that Kirby wouldn't end up being an no, artist. No, I think he would have. Um, he would have found a way to make comics. Yeah, he probably yeah. would have done something. But like, like the Kirby that we got, we are so lucky. Sure. To this day, that we we got that Kirby. And you know, same can be said for Ditko too. Sure, same can be said for a lot of guys. But I'm just saying, Kirby is the king. Yeah, but I think, I mean, in that period of time, though, like that period of time, it's Kirby, Ditko, and and Lee. No, right? I mean, there's a unless, lot of other guys around, you know. No, but, like, the key people that were made for the biggest titles that we now think of when we think of, like, like the flagship titles, right? It's Ditko, it's it's Kirby, and it's Lee. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? I'm trying to think. I mean, Kirby was drawing, like, three books back then, I think. You know, he was, like, working on... He was working on Fantastic Four. I don't mm. know. He kind of jump-started all those books, sort of. I don't know what happened yeah. really... I don't know if he was still, by the time he had started working on Fantastic Four, I don't know what else he was working on at that time. Because the books, when I think of Marvel, I think of Spider-Man. Yep. Fantastic Four. Yep. X-Men. Yep. Right? Kirby. Kirby. Right. Ditko was only ever doing Spider-Man. Didn't he do know? some X-Men stuff? No. Who did X-Men then? Kirby. Oh, that was all just Kirby. All Kirby. Interesting. I thought for some reason Ditko did something. I mean, I all mean, the start of it, you know, eventually, like, some other dudes came in and started doing stuff. Um, I don't know if somebody, like, you know, Ramita, I think Ramita took over Spider-Man when Ditko stopped. Yes. I think But when I think of Spider-Man, Spider-Man is, like, one of the flagship characters, not even just in Marvel, but just in, in mainstream superhero comics in general. Yeah. Next to Batman. And I mean, listen, I love Ditko, and Ditko's great. When I think of Spider-Man, like, Ramita Sr. is my Spider-Man, you know? Absolutely. I yeah. agree with that. Yes. Yeah. But in terms of, like, the Spider-Man as we know it across the board, just historically, where we would get Ramita, it's all because of Ditko. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So I think, I mean, even if that's just his one contribution, that's still a huge, huge contribution. And granted, Dicko is a whole mess of things. I mean, he's an interesting character. Well, but and- Cur- even Kirby designed Spider-Man, though. No, uh, from what I've read, Ditko redesigned a lot of that. To no, where- have you seen that whole thing where they've now gone back and they found out? So oh, this okay. is interesting. I didn't know this. <laughs> so apparently, like Jack Kirby, like worked at this like costume shop uh-huh. for a while, like designing Halloween costumes. Okay, and he just like designed this like spider cost spider guy costume for this okay. like halloween store and it just so happens and it's like to be totally that. spider-man wait so then who yeah. got that from wait so like if he if he made this design that has totally nothing to do with the comic how did that get back around to ditko you know what i mean like that doesn't make any that's sense a, that's a bit of a convoluted story you know because also stan lee claims that he was just like listen i want a guy who's like a spider and a guy, well, yeah, that was pretty much know. like 90% of Stan Lee's ideas was like... And, and the first appearance of Spider-Man, that cover is drawn by Jack Kirby. Right, yeah. You know, the interiors are drawn by Ditko. Who knows? That's another like way convoluted Sure, because back then, you credit know? wasn't exactly a thing anybody gave a shit about. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Stan Lee. Exactly. And yeah. we could sit here all day. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I mean, this just goes back to the fact that like, who knows what comics would be if we didn't have Jack Kirby. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, this kind of touches on what, you know, uh, 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 Katrina was talking about. It's like, regardless of what happens to these figures or who's what or whatever, it's like, people are still going to be making things. Like, somebody could have read Zorro and done, like, their own weird Zorro book. That's an approximation of it. I mean, that's what Batman basically was. I mean, there's an amazing Alex Toast Zorro book that you can pick up. Yeah, but what I mean to say is, is like, even if you took out Stan Lee from the equation... There still would have been a ton of amazing work that would have come out in in comics. Oh sure, I mean DC was still published. Yeah, and I'm arguing even but, if you, you know, took DC I mean, if you go if you go on to look at the DC stuff though, like Stan Lee's big thing, and I'm just saying all the stuff that this Marvel Untold I mean, story right, right, book right, right, right. says, but but you know, DC was a little more cold. It was a little more. Kind of surgical, well, let's say. A cosmic, were, I would say. It was way more cosmic. Yeah, and most of their characters were, you know... On a, on a way uh, you couldn't relate. Yes, right. Whereas, yeah, Marvel was way yeah, more when, about the everyman. When Kirby and, and Stan Lee started um, doing their thing, they made the characters a lot more relatable, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's Spider-Man. And they even, you know, there was even that, like, big 70s thing where, like, like the, the slogo for... The, the, the slogo... <laughs> The slogan for Marvel was, um, make mine Marvel. Yeah. You know? Right. And that just, like, gives you that whole, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm a part of this, you know? Sure. So, you know, there's there's that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here. I've always been a Marvel boy. No, you man, know, me to too. To be honest. Me too. Me too. You know? I, don't get me wrong. I love my Batman. You know, Batman the Animated Series, like, seriously changed my life. Yeah. The Michael Keaton Batman changed my yeah, life. Yeah, Batman and Swamp Thing for me. Yeah. But, I mean, deep down, like, I think back in the day when you and I were running, I think we talked about we're like, like, I almost like feel like Wolverine is like my uncle or something. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just like know that guy. Like, yeah. Or like so Spider-Man well. is definitely a friend that you had. Yeah. Yeah. And you will, you're rooting for him because you know him. Right. Yeah. What DC character do you ever feel that way about? Where you feel like you can relate to them? Yeah. Like when we were growing up? No. Like, or now. would you go have a beer with Bruce Wayne? No, he's a psychopath. No. Yeah. I could have a beer with Wolverine. Well, he's a psychopath, 
too. I could go to a ways. Dave Matthews concert with Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, with with DC, gosh. Um, hmm. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. With DC. Yeah. Um, you know what? Probably Flash. Uh, yeah, maybe Flash is like the only one, right? Yeah, Flash or... But not even like the original um, Flash. Like maybe like Wally West. Oh, absolutely Wally West. Yeah. Not Barry Allen. That guy's a cop. Yeah. Or at yeah. least like works for the cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's... And he's also like dead. Who cares? Um, uh, Martian Manhunter. How the hell would you relate to that guy? He's from outer space and he's scared of fire. Yeah, but he's also like trying to relate. And that's yeah. something I can understand. Yeah, right? but isn't Superman too? Do you really want to go hang out at Clark Kent's apartment? Well, because there's no, because the only thing that he has to worry about is a green rock. Whereas Martian Manhunter is like, I have to look human so that I don't get attacked and killed by people that are afraid of me. Yeah. I mean, that's like, oh, okay. <laughs> or or yeah, the Swamp Thing. I mean, I, 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 don't get me wrong. Swamp Thing's dope, but I don't really want to go hang out down by the swamp and... You know, I don't know, man. I mean, we lived in Florida, so it wouldn't be that far-fetched. No. <laughs> but, like, what am I going to talk to Swamp Thing about? I don't know. Nature and shit? Do mushrooms <laughs> with him? <laughs> That'd be pretty tight. <laughs> He's going to pluck a mushroom off of his shoulder, and that's the mushroom yeah, dude, I'm going to have to what take. What if your fucking mushroom connect was just the Swamp Thing guy? Come on. That's so cool. My God. It'd be what free? if he pulled a mushroom off of his ass? I mean, Would whatever. you take that mushroom? Dude, whatever. Mushrooms are mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna be picky. I'm gonna be like, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah. I do not want a mushroom so swamp things ass, dude. To be fair, it wouldn't really technically be an ass. Like any anatomy on him is is totally like projected, right? Because it's like, dude, he's got a swamp wang in there somewhere. I don't think so because he. We already know how he reproduces. He doesn't. Why would he have a penis? Didn't he, if he have doesn't... a baby with that chick? Yeah, but they didn't have like physical sex that way, the way we understand sex, because he's not a human. Mm, I've never read that Elmore stuff. I need oh. to read it. Oh no, yeah, it's not. It's I'm a horrible human like... for not reading that. It's like it's high on my list of things I need to read. Go, you know um, what? Stop recording and just go read that. Right. If you're listening yeah. to this right now, too, stop fucking listening to this and go read. Alan Moore's run a swamp thing. And in fact, while you're at it, go or go oh. read like any Alan Moore that you've never read. Like, yeah, America's best comics. Like every yeah. one of those Alan Moore books go. is like freaking amazing. Absolutely. Go Tom Strong. Go read that. Tom Strong, man. Go read Promethea. Yeah. Whew. Those comics. Whew. I thought I didn't like comics anymore until somebody like loaned me those comics. And I was just like, holy cow. I like oh, comics yeah. again. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like too many people are just like, man, Alan Moore's overrated. Uh, he's not that great, or like all his like new stuff sucks. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, can you think of one writer that has that much solid, undeniably great work behind them? No, I, I can't even think of anyone really. Get out of here with your Alan Moore hate. That's so dumb. I don't, I don't get that. I bet all those same people who say that though have like watched Watchmen like five oh, times. Oh, of course, they probably think Zack Snyder is like a great director, like, whatever. And and think that V for Vendetta is like one of the greatest movies ever made. I mean, they. <sighs> The people that are like hyper hyper critical of him, I don't even know what the fuck they like. Because at that point, it's like, well, what? I mean, <laughs> I can understand why yeah. people would say Watchmen is overrated. Sure, okay, but like, what about the I don't know forty other books that he did that are all amazing? You know who says Watchmen is underrated? Are the people who like underrated or overrated? Uh, sorry, overrated. 
the people who say that Watchmen is overrated are the people who like don't read all the in between stuff. Oh, I agree. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I. You ever talk to a guy who like says almost that? Every person that I've talked to about Watchmen that isn't in comics says that exact same thing. Because then they're like, yeah. I didn't like I didn't I didn't read like the in between yeah, stuff. I didn't get it. And you're just like, I didn't get it. It was so dumb. And I was like, wait, you right. don't like. It's like missing half of the book. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that's right. like that's like if I read like it's like stepping into a movie halfway through the movie and leaving a theater and being like, mm, didn't right. really like that. What if I read Moby Dick and just skipped twelve chapters in the middle and was just like, <laughs> yeah. this, this didn't make any sense. It was dumb as hell. <laughs> like, you know, like that's the, ridiculous to say that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, people. yeah, I mean, we can, yeah, yeah. Elmore's great. I was going to say, relatable characters in DC would probably be um, anyone from Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run. Oh, see, another thing I've never read, because, listen, I like me some Grant Morrison, too, but I could never get into the art in that book. The art is not good. Yeah. A lot of it is it's not. It's hard to yeah. read. It's very, very, like, that middling 90s style. Mm. You know what I mean? That middling 90s Vertigo style, where Vertigo... It almost seemed like Vertigo was just, like, on the streets of England, like, letting anybody draw their comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. They're just like... I don't know what happened there. Yeah. And what's sad, too, is that all those comics have, like, amazing Simon Bisley covers Yes! Oh, my God, the covers were so good. And you look at those Bisley covers, and you're like, I have to read this comic, because it looks like the most insane, cool crap that I've ever seen. Yeah. And then you open the book, and you're just like, oh, oh, man. But it is good still. Like, that's how good the writing is. I know. I'm going to read it one of these days. But, you know, I'm a big art guy. Yeah, I'm no, no, no. I get you. I'm you the know? same way, man. We know. We know. I, a part of me, if I had all the time in the world, like, if I won the lottery today, right, I would go back yeah. on that entire Grant Morrison run of Doom Patrol and just redraw it. Oh, yeah. That would be I, awesome. Like, literally just, like, take the scripts and just redraw it. And it's sad, too, now, because, like, don't get me wrong, like, the new Doom Patrol was pretty fun. I read mm-hmm. most of it. But, I mean, but they, like, looked out and they got, like, Nick Darrington on there. And he's, like, a oh, dope artist, artist. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so sad because you, like, look at that and then you go back and look at that other stuff and you're just like... Yeah, was it, like, were they oh, out of a budget man. thing? Was it, like, a budgetary thing where they just couldn't afford anybody that was Who good? knows? I maybe know. the guy was, like, really good pals with Grant Morrison or something. Yeah, maybe Who Yeah, knows? maybe they did, like, a ritual magic together or something. I mean, you go back and look at some of that Sandman stuff, too, and there's some really good artists on there's Sandman. So like, I think, much, like... There's so yeah. much Sandman. Yeah, but, like, I think, like, Sam Keith drew, like, the first, like, three or four issues of Sandman, and then somebody else comes in, and it's, ugh. But then Jill Thompson, I think, drew a bit of it, and she's always great. Yeah. Um, but you think of, like, major runs that you are, like, very favorably looking back on, like like Punisher Max. There's, like, a couple of issues there that were drawn by oh, some, yeah. some random ugh. person that just clearly was not meant to really do this, but was just filled in. And yeah, it shows, agreed. man. It fucking shows. It does. It does. I had a hard time, because, you know, I only started originally reading Punisher Max because of Goral and Parlaw. God, that's the thing, too. You couldn't pay me enough money to fill in for Goran Parlov, because at that point, no it's just like, what, what am I doing? Right. Like, this is just but I end. don't think he this... even came in until, like, later in the run. Yeah, he didn't get in know? until, like, the third or fourth book, I think. Yeah. 
And I started reading it just because I loved his art so much. And then I was talking to somebody and they were like, dude, you got to go back and read like all of this. And I was like, I mean, it's good story wise. Oh, it is. When I was reading Punisher Max, I was like, this is like the coolest action, like, like movie. Yeah. That is like not being made into the coolest action movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a superhero comic that wasn't treating it as a superhero comic. Yeah. Like those books, when I was reading those books, I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever read. Like as far yeah. as just being like fucking cool. Yeah. It was violent. It was what it was so well written, but violent and like action packed. And hilarious and, like, sometimes. Yeah. And hilarious and interesting and just like And Pavlov. <laughs> And even, but even like Garth Ennis's like writing is so great on that book that even when you do hit one of those spots where there's some like whack artist they got to like draw that stuff, Mm -hmm. you're still like so interested in like what is going to happen next to the Punisher. Right. And I'm sure that'll happen to me once I finally just sit down and force myself to read Doom Patrol, you know? Mm -hmm. But yes, Punisher Max. So glad. See, that's. That's the JB that I like to talk, to, you know, like you don't that like that JB doesn't come out on this podcast enough where you're like, you're generally like, listen, there's this book that I did read called Punisher Max. It's like one of the dopest comics. Yeah, ever but made. who every, everyone knows what Punisher Max is that that would listen to this podcast. I don't think they do. I don't man. I don't think people know how great Punisher Any, Max. Is. Oh, man. Come on. Anybody that listens to a comic podcast to begin with knows Punisher Max. Like, it's just a thing that everybody knows at this point. I sure hope so. That would make me really happy uh, if that really is the case. I think, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, that, that, that series made a pretty big impact, I would say. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think most people know what that book is. I've never talked to anybody and was just like, what's that? Mm, well, I sure hope so. And hopefully, hopefully, um, I think I, over I, the years, people have begun to, like, really recognize what a badass artist Gorlin Parloff is, you know? I mean, God. Right. <laughs> yeah, his he's uh, yeah. Why 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 aren't there more ripoff Pavlovs? I and mean, we already have like or Parlov. How do you pronounce his I name? I think it's Gorlin Parlov. Parlov. Who knows though? Okay. If I'm yeah, pronouncing it. Yeah, Par- Parlov Parlov's work. I I you know what? The reason why I got really into You know why there's um, not more Gorlin Parlov copycats? Because you can't copy him because he's so good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like trying to copy Toth. Or Thoth, I mean. It's like trying to yeah, copy one of those types right. of artists. It's like, there's there's a lot of copycat guys out there, you know? Yeah, we've talked about yeah. this, you know. But, you know, they never seem yeah, to copy yeah, yeah. the, like, really, really good dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and again, that's not a takedown on the people that copy, let alone those artists that they're copying. They're great in their own right, but it's also like you kind of have to learn how to draw on your own terms. Yes. You can take inspiration, but at the end of the day, if you don't know the rules of the game, you can't really bend them the right way to make it interesting. Yes. When it comes to drawing. I was just about to text you and Moody and... Um, oh yeah, shout out to Buster because like he does all the music for oh, this, yeah. this podcast. <laughs> My boys. Um, but I was about to text you guys the other day and text you about a certain artist who has copied a lot... And I was I was about to shoot you guys somebody who just started following me on Instagram or something that also draws like this fellow. And I wanted to shoot you okay. guys a picture of this. And I was like, these kids are learning how to draw like this guy before they're learning how to draw. Yeah. 
And again, I think it's fine to take inspiration and, and no. that is, that'll be the motivator, right? You sure. see someone's work and you're like, holy shit, I want to be this good. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's weird to see an adult be like, I'm going to draw exactly like this person now. <laughs> like That seems so weird. I, it, it makes sense when you're a kid. Yeah, like, do I ever get upset when people look at my stuff and go like, oh, looks like Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. You know? No. Also, that's that a weird thing because your work doesn't really look like John Kay's stuff. Right. Nobody ever really says this looks like Ren. They always go, you, you must like Ren and Stimpy. And I go, yes, I like Ren the and The fact Stimpy. that they say that, like that wording speaks to how mm-hmm. strong and specific your work is to you because they can't attach it to someone. So they're just like, uh, what's like the closest thing that I can like approximate it to? Right. They can't say outright, oh, you're just this is just John Kay. Well, and even when Saber Two Swordsman first came out, you know, it was like, oh, you know, this looks like this looks a bit like uh, yeah, a little bit. This looks like a little, little bit like he likes Mobius. Yeah. You know, yeah. this looks like he likes. I got I got a lot of like Sergio Argonis. Oh, that's interesting comparisons. I would not have, which is fine. I would that, not have put no, that. No, that doesn't bother yeah. me at all. But you know, a lot of a lot of Mobius, and of course. I think Mesmo Delivery had been out long by the time Sabretooth came out. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, no. And I got, like, Stoko and Raphael Grandpa, you know? And I'm like, like, I like those dudes, but, like, like I'm probably the same age as those dudes, you know? Like, maybe they're, like, a year or two younger than me. But, like, we, all three of us, like, grew up liking the same dudes. And we, like, put that into our art, yeah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. And then when I started to get those comparisons, I tried to, like, wean out, like, everything that was, like, comparing my art to those guys. Yeah, yeah. So, like, by weaning that out, I sort of created, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I created a whole new style, but I, you know, my stuff is a lot cleaner now than it was originally when Sabretooth Swordsman came or out. Or even you before know? that. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I think sometimes people sort of get attached to a certain artist, and then they they like really cling well, to that. It's easier, you know. It's, sure, it's way but less. But do you toxic. know how many different people have drawn beautiful, amazing comics that you could go steal from and like create your whole, create a whole new thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I again, I think it's important to have artists to help you inform your aesthetic because you're you're gonna like what you like. You're just yeah. gonna be drawn to certain things depending on whatever it is that you were raised on or. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, again, we're just all pointing to, like, what forms aesthetic tastes, you know? Like, how, how do you, how do you make those types of uh, uh, decisions based on the stuff that you like, and why do you like those things? You know? Like, who fucking knows? I don't know. I don't know why the things that I like, I like. I, I just know that I do. I mean, I know a bit why I like certain things, you know? Well, yeah, but, but also... But, I mean, I guess... But also, it's just like, like, I'm just saying, though, there's, there, since, since comics were, like, created almost... There have been, like, so many amazing comic book artists mm-hmm. that you can go and, like, learn from. Why limit yourself to just learning from this, like, one guy? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and you know why? I mean, I think about people when they think about music in the same way, especially people who make music. It's like, uh, they don't, I mean, the people who don't make music, usually based on my conversation with them, know more about music than the people that play it. Which is a, which yes, is a weird thing. I have definitely seen that in the past. It's a weird thing. Yes. To... to and yes. that's not to say that there's obvi- I mean obviously there are people who make actually make music who know a fuck ton about music because they sure. they're just they're all over the gamut they just consume as much as possible because they just really love music. Yeah. But there are definitely people I mean I'm that way with comics like I don't 
consume a lot. Cam on this podcast reads way more than I have or ever will. Um, yeah. So my stuff is informed from a very specific place. I also consume different stuff from him, like from media, like uh, being like a toy collector. A lot of the stuff that informs me growing up and to this day is just like toy art, like packaging, stuff like that. Um, sure. And you want to kind of take that influence and maybe like make it like move a little more. Kind of, kind of. It's just like, I, I think for me, my taste has always been like what, uh, it's really hard to describe this. It's just like, what really interests me? What like, what do I find visually interesting? What what do I look at and try? I almost look at it on two levels. One, for just like the surface level aesthetic and being like, that's really interesting. I've never seen anything like that. But also begin to look at it as if it's like a puzzle, like breaking it down, how those decisions were made and how they were, uh, how that was followed through in terms of like how it was executed. Have you ever thought about that? Just like looking at a drawing or looking at a sculpture or a painting or just like any kind of art and being like, how was that made? Or how, where, where were the decisions made? Or why Are you saying that you think about that when you look at a lot of the old like cartoon, I mean, toy packaging art? Yeah, everything, everything. Because I, yeah. I remember as a kid looking at like a Ninja Turtles toy packaging and actively studying that, the painting and yeah. seeing the marks that were being made with the paint. Right. For like the right. shading and just like, you know, just like making the fig- figure and, 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 and showing where the shadow is, where the light source is, or maybe even an absence of a light source and it just stuff just happens. It all still somehow well, makes sense. Well, and that kind of stuff was, some of it was just so bizarre. Yeah, exactly. You were like, what, pl- what planet is this coming from? Right. Because you're like, did these guys even like look at the Ninja Turtles before they like drew this packaging art? Right. But on some level, it's, like, amazing because of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you look at the first run of Ninja Turtle toys from, the, from, like, 88, 89. Yeah. And you remember they had, like, that little, almost like a comic book. It was, like, a couple of panels, and it kind of outlined how the turtles became the turtles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. studying that for a long time because it was just so weirdly interesting to look at. Yeah, no, and I the, completely agree with you. And, and the I, turtles looked really nothing like the cartoon when you looked at that. Yeah. And so I, my, my child brain was just like going at it. Like, why does it look this way? And why does it look? It looks different from what I remember the cartoon being. And yet somehow this still works. Why does it work? Well, that's what, what the just amazing thing about the Ninja Turtles just in general. Well, is sure, the Ninja yeah, Turtles yeah. are just such like even like Eastman and Laird don't draw anything alike, no. you know? Yeah, no, no. They're nine day. Yeah. So, you know, Laird's turtles look more like uh, like actual turtles almost. Yeah. And Eastman's turtles look like sort of like buff Frank Miller type. Yeah, they look superheroes. like proto proto image characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, like, when they would go on, like, hiatus, they would just let their, like, random buddy, like, draw, like, a whole issue of Ninja yeah. Turtles. And that guy would draw them also, like, completely different. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, usually it would be really good. <laughs> sure. Because they be were amazing. friends. Right, because they were you friends know? with a lot of great indie artists. Yeah, because you'd have you'd have somebody like Mark Martin who just drew the Ninja Turtles like they were in a Looney Tunes cartoon, mm-hmm. and then you'd yeah. also have like Michael Zuli who was doing these like uh, beautifully like um, illustrative like Ninja Turtles comics where the Ninja where the Ninja Turtles look look like actual real turtles, yeah. and they don't even like talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, and I, that, well, this is uh, to put a pin in this. I also I mean, we talked about this before, too. It's like there's nothing like that anymore. No, no one no. is actively taking risks like that where it's just like it was so it, punk rock, dude. It was. And I think it was because, like, that's how successful they were, that they could just get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't care. Yeah. Where, they just where did I, not care. I think that I, I think that they had like a toy deal by. By, like, the 10th issue or something. Oh, very early on. Very, very early on. Yeah. yeah. They had a toy deal by the 10th issue, and then because they got a toy deal, they got the animated first, like, couple animated well, episodes. Well, they, they got the toy deal, and the and the company was like, well, we're not going to go through with this until we get a cartoon. Yes, that's so right. That was that was, the whole, yeah, yeah. Right. And even at that point, they didn't even know if they were going to have, like, an ongoing show, but they at least wanted, like, what, like, six episodes to, like... Back the toys up. Yeah, which were the best episodes of the entire run. Right. Which was also, which is, if you think about it, even the original toys don't really look like the comic version, but they don't they, really look they, like the cartoon show either. They don't look like the cartoon. I would say they look more like the comic versions than they do the cartoon. Yes, I would agree with that. Yes, of course. Especially the early prototypes, they look. But then, but then the whole Ninja Turtles line became this whole other aesthetic of this really like, just like, Wacky, Goopy, gross, yeah. Yeah. like yeah, tons yeah. of crap all over these Perfect toys. Storm where, the too. Com- where the comics really didn't look like that. No, they you didn't. Know? No. The, the, and the oh, show yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. even really look like that. The show so kind was, of touched in on it yeah. a little bit. But then there was this whole other aesthetic, basically. That, like, that's, yeah. the thing, that's the amazing thing about the Ninja Turtles. Is like, the Ninja Turtles were for like, everybody. No matter like who you oh, were. Yeah, 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 because there sure. was like a part of the Ninja Turtles that was like for you. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like nobody can ever, you know, how, like 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 man babies like pick up like a copy of Spider Man or like this doesn't look like Spider Man, you know, or like this doesn't mm-hmm. look like super, like Wolverine's supposed to look, you know, yeah. Like nobody yeah. can ever say that about the Ninja Turtles. No, there are. I've heard it. I've heard <sighs> people like this doesn't look like Ninja. I mean, think about the whole Michael Bay movie stuff. I mean, he didn't, you know. But when when people were talking about it when that when the first movie came out the the bay ones they were like uh it's the i mean i i have my own opinions about it but no i mean those movie it wasn't like those didn't look like an Turtles. they just looked terrible they were just bad design right but, but but what i mean though is like people were saying oh these weren't the ninja turtles or this is not what the ninja turtles are look like to us when clearly they never really specifically looked like i mean if you're gonna look at anything it's you're gonna have to just look at those first few issues and even then, what? What are you saying that the creators stopped making what the Ninja Turtles are supposed to be after that run? Right. Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, and like I said, like very early on, I was like uh, in this Ninja Turtles conversation where I was like, Eastman and Lair don't draw even anything alike. You right. know. So the two creators, the two main creators of these characters who don't draw at all alike, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's where the uh, Turtle Soup stuff is like. Uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah. The clo- you know, actually, the closest I've seen to that was that, remember that brief run that Marvel did of um, Strange Tales? Or Strange, what am I thinking of? Oh, yeah. You're talking about the stuff where they just let, let indie creators do, like, whatever they wanted with Marvel characters? Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's great. That was the closest, and I don't even know what happened to that. They did, like, two volumes, and then that was it. I think that just didn't make money, unfortunately. <sighs> you know? And Yeah. I mean, it was probably some guy in the Marvel office who was like, this would be really cool. And, and it some, was. And yeah, right. And some people probably agreed. 
But then in the end, it just didn't make money. You know, and I think a lot of that was Marvel and companies like Marvel kind of shot themselves in the foot trying to create a company aesthetic or like a in a uh, like a Marvel style, right? Yeah, but I think, I, you know, Marvel still does take quite a few risks as far as artists go. I mean, the hell, yeah. they let me draw some stuff. Yeah, you know? but what I'm saying is, like, I, I think the reason why there's more pushback against taking more risks like Strange Tales is because a lot of these entitled fans are conditioned into thinking what's supposed to be it, the character. And a lot of that is not helped by Marvel or the publishers. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, and it's weird because if you think, it's so strange, because if you think of some of the, like, biggest books of all time, it it is those books that, like, were allowed to, like, take a lot of risks. You know, The Dark Knight Returns, you know, for example. Uh, you know, even Watchmen. You know, you think about Watchmen and those characters are based off of other characters that already existed. They just couldn't yeah. get the rights to those characters, so Alan Moore just, like, changed them. You know? Right. Um, uh, and, and what else am I even thinking of? You know, like like I said, The Dark Knight Returns. I mean, even There's Batman. There's not many like that in Marvel. No. And even Batman, like, that. and see, that's when, you know, we, we were talking earlier about how, like, we're Marvel boys at heart. But, like, like some of the best comics ever made are, are, are actually DC books, you know? Yeah, because they took a few more risks, right? Right, but they did cool stuff that was out of continuity, and it didn't have to be this thing where, like, um, a killing joke. Perfect example, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even even Darwin Cook's, like, New Frontier. Did you ever read that? Oh, it's great. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Alex Ross's um, Kingdom Come, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah, was yeah. stuff that, that was allowed to, to just, like, be its own thing. And it didn't have to connect to anything else. It was just what it was, and it was amazing for that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marvel never really bothered with that. No, I mean the closest the closest that I, they ever even came was something like Craven's Last Hunt or something like that, and even that was like you know set the pace for like what Spider-Man comics would be for the next two years, you know? Yeah, and and I mean you can argue that the reason why that book even existed was because of stuff like Dark Knight Returns. Oh, absolutely. No, I would not. I yeah, I would not argue that with you at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that that's the case, but. Yeah, I really, I really do think that there's a lot. If you ask me, there's a lot of that they could, and people have probably been saying this for years, but they, they definitely should do a little more of that sort of out of continuity, own story kind of thing. But once again, that stuff doesn't sell, you know? Like, what was that book that recently came out that they did where Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermijo did that book where they showed Batman's penis in the book? <laughs> yeah, I Do don't remember know. That I... Everybody was flipping out about it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. everybody was flipping out because they showed Batman's penis and all these people went and bought number one. But um, Katrina was telling me that the sales on issues two, three, and four had like dropped off like significantly yeah because it's a batman story that doesn't take place in like batman's continuity you know and what happens to batman in that book is not going to be like what's going to set the pace for like the next year of comics you know hmm. and that's what people want because they because they have been conditioned to that yeah you know I, what i mean i mean again that goes back to the whole thing of like not wanting to take too many risks with artists it's also with the stories it's because they you know what yeah just again conditioning the readers the readership 
and basically being like, this is what you want. Right. Very much and, so. And that basically just alienated pretty much everybody that was just like not really game for that. And what do you have left? You just have all these entitled man babies who just want the same stories over and over again. Oh, yeah. And they don't even care. They don't even care who draws. Oh, them. yeah. No, 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 no. But they want to have this illusion of this like, oh, it's all tied together. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Because nothing can happen to their, their superheroes that doesn't have like some sort of consequence. You know? Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, it goes back to the whole with the, you and I always bring up this book, um, fucking Frankencastle. Oh, yeah. Right. You well, they know? couldn't like handle the, that, though. They could, that was too... That that's was, what I yeah. mean. They couldn't handle it, and it got, it got, it got you know, shit can. It got shortened way, way, way before it was supposed right. to have ended. And even I went into that, like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then I read it, and I was like, this is the coolest thing that I've ever read. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like, on the surface, you're like, that would never work. And then you read it, and you're like, this is the greatest thing that I've ever read. Right, because I was probably, at first, I was probably being an idiot, and I was probably being too literal, like, oh, you can't take my Punisher. He shoots guns, and he looks like the Punisher's supposed to look all the time. And then when I finally sat down and was like, wait a second, that's not Aaron, and that's who I've never been. And gave it a shot. Uh-huh. I was like, holy cow, this is the craziest thing. The Punisher's like teaming up yeah. with Werewolf by Night and like Morbius. And he's also a Frankenstein. Yeah. And 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 Man-Thing. Yeah. And just like, this is the perfect yeah, book. This is the best comic. <laughs> <laughs> the next to the best Punisher yeah, thing and- I've ever read besides Garth Ennis is Punisher Max. Yeah, no, exactly. No, that is totally my opinion of, of Punisher yeah. books. It starts and ends with Punisher Max and Frankencastle. Yeah. Uh, dang. <laughs> Next time you need you talk to Tony more because then he write draw a bunch of those issues. Yeah. Oh man, that was actually one of the first conversations I ever had with him. Oh, was yeah. about was about Frankencastle. Yeah, that's uh, good. and he got death threats because of that book. Oh my god. Like, and you know the type that we're talking about with Punisher fans. Get there's two here, ty- There's dude. literally only two Punisher fans in the world, right? Normal, well-adjusted comic book fans. And sociopaths. Yeah. That's I always it. talk that's, about that's I always it. talk about um how the Punisher is like really mad these days because like Deadpool has like stolen all his merchandising. Oh yeah. Cause if you think about like all the, all these dudes who have like Deadpool stickers on their car and like Deadpool shirts, like all those guys no, used used to I, have Punisher I stickers and shirts. I disagree only because like I don't see the guy who's riding in a tank in Afghanistan through a small village pointing guns at kids with a Punisher logo on his shirt is really the type of person that is going to replace that with a Deadpool logo. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I could agree with you on that, but I'm just saying locally. I now see a lot more people. Okay. Or just the guys that cosplay as cops or soldiers. <laughs> You know, you know the type that I'm thinking of. <laughs> There's the guys who just, like, cosplay as cops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people who really wish they were in the army, but for some reason aren't in the army. So they just, like, pretend, like, they, they just, like, playing dress up. Oh, we can't As if yeah, well, let's not they're in the military. But those are the type of people that have the Punisher logos all over their their cars and uh, you know their rucksacks and whatever like that's just i love the, the one that, that i just saw yesterday it was like the punisher logo but like the like american flag is like inside Ouch. of it yeah 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 or or the uh, blue lives matter flag with the punisher Ooh. logo and it's like you totally do you know the... how many cops the punisher has probably like killed in but, the comics 
also like that is such a huge misreading of the character yeah like, so what true. are you doing yeah that doesn't so make true. any sense at all like did, are, are we reading the same books oh my gosh Oh my god. That's like that's like reading uh, Dark Rain and being like, "Well, wow, this uh this uh Norman Osborn guy is uh really cool. He's a uh, he, he he that's what our president should be like." <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, that's isn't like that weird... basically our president though right now, Norman Osborn? Yeah, but you know what I mean though? It's like you you're rooting for the villain, like literally the villain. Yeah, but isn't that what we all do these days though? Like Watch any of these Marvel movies. Like, we were just talking about this last night, like, with some friends. Like, if you think about, like, think about the, the Black Panther movie. Like, okay. almost up until the very end, I could kind of agree with that dude. What was his name? Killmonger? Yeah. And, you know, I've talked about this with someone else. It's like, uh, he has good points, but also his points are also made by people who don't just murder their girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. You right. know, like, I don't think. I don't think that's, like, specific to him. I think, like, just having a point that I agree with doesn't change the fact that you did these other things. It's the same with Punisher. He hates pedophiles. All right. I can agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean I would actively support someone like the Punisher because he's actually a serial killer. Yeah, right. right. So what, I completely you know, agree. So that, yeah. That's where I see the people that are wearing the logos and yeah. are like, man, I just... I there would there would be nothing better than if I could just pull out my fucking magnum and just start shooting brown people. <laughs> like that's basically uh, the type of people yeah, that are into that. I guess you're right, but it's so it's so crazy though. That they never stop and think about the fact that they have like like Punisher and Blue Lives Matter, and like I, again, I guarantee yeah. you that the Punisher has killed like multiple cops in comics. Right, but you know, also he's a serial killer. Like he's right. an actual sociopathic serial killer who just makes up his rules, right? As as he goes, and and will change them when it's convenient. Right. So actually, now that I think about it, it makes sense that these people like him, because <laughs> it it is definitely like a template for where they base their entire fucking like existence on. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's just yeah, it's just, we could we could talk for another ten hours about the like. Like, what the heck is wrong with people? Yeah, I mean, specifically with that character, it's just so weird to me. Agreed, you know? Because I can't think of any other character that that would be uh, kind of, like, accepted somehow. But, like, look at us. We just, like, on this podcast, we just talked about, like, two different Punisher storylines that we, like, love. And still, we, like, get out of our, like, we, like, go to, like, buy something at Target, and there's some, like, goofball with a freaking... I could, like I said, I could just go on about this forever. Yeah, you know? I mean, again, I think it's just people can consume or agree on certain things or whatever. That doesn't change the fact that, I don't know. Like, at that point, it's just coincidence more than anything else. I don't think they're even related at that point. Yeah. Me liking this character and the dude down the block that, you know, is a racist bigot or whatever, who's like, probably wants to kill people, but is like really mad that he can't legally do it. Well, yeah, it's like, remember when I texted you guys the other day that picture of that guy who had that like giant venom like decal and like the back of his like truck window and oh, i was like old. yeah i was like how many <laughs> right. how many venom comics you think this guy actually owns you know yeah because that could go one way or the other either that person is really awesome or that person is an actual monster yeah <laughs> there's no middle ground with that one yeah 
or have you seen some of this stuff? It's kind of like this stuff that have you seen like some of these like joke articles that are floating around now that's like local man realizes that there's like 50 years worth of comic books based off of the movies he just went and saw. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same with like Joker, right? Yeah. It, I mean, there's a weird fixation on Joker, especially now. Or it's like these people who were so upset when like Netflix like canceled their like Daredevil and Luke Cage shows. But like, oh yeah, just go to the comic store and you can read like, uh-huh, like what, like 50 years worth of like comics about these guys. Yeah. Also, Disney gave you like no reason to give a shit about those stories. Yeah. Like, they had no real consequence on anything on this quote-unquote universe they fucking had. I know! And, man, dude, if you really are gonna miss Daredevil or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage that much, walk into any comic book store and you can get some new stories that you never read by them. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Same across the board with any comic story, movie, But you know what? That takes a little bit more than sitting down on your couch, turning the TV on. Yeah. That's true. Reading does take a, a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I really yeah. just sound like a old man. Now I'm just getting into old man territory. Turn your TV off, kids. Put down your your those little TVs you got in your hand and go read a book. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, I think that that'll probably do it because we yeah. could probably go for another hour and a half. I know. We could, at, at yeah, let's, let's plan on... Um, doing this again when uh um we can actually talk really realistically about if we about how you make comics instead of you and me just talking about stuff we always talk about i mean to be fair this comic has never been about how to make comics i don't really think Uh, that should exist anyway right right. yeah there's no rules to how to make comics i think we can all no i don't know i just didn't know if your podcast was supposed to like help sort of inform people on things or or hear some new things about like the industry that they didn't know before you know yeah i mean we did touch on some stuff that i think might not have been privy to because there's some you know i don't know also who cares they're probably just gonna be like why is this guy yelling at me (laughs) that's every pod that's every episode of this podcast okay good (laughs) all right brother Uh, so yeah so where can people find you if uh, they want to you know read your books and stuff I'm on Instagram as Aaron Conley 77. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I'm not, I don't hardly use that as much anymore. Um, I try not to, at least some days I, I get into it. Um, is the 77, how old you are now? Oh my yeah. 77 years old. That's how old I am. (laughs) Okay. Uh, are you doing any shows, events, appearances Uh, that you want to promote? Well, um, you should be able to still get Sabretooth Swordsman through any good local comic shop. Um, Didn't they do a reprint of it? Yes, they did do a reprint, and it's still in print. Okay. That version has um, some beautiful color stories in it as well that the original one did not have. Oh, um, I didn't know it, that. Yeah, and it's got a... And you can get... Um, you should be able to get it from any like online retailer as well. Uh, mm-hmm, Amazon, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, right. Bully, Bully Wars just came out in trade paperback about a month ago. Um, yes. And that should be in all great comic shops as well. Um, Is it uh, six issues or 12? Uh, that was five issues. And it oh, it's was, five. Yeah. Written by Scotty Young, drawn by me. Um, and yeah. Are you tabling in anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're doing a... Uh, you can see me and JB at Heroes Con. Um, what is that? June 19th? The uh, weekend June of June 9th? 14th, I want to say. Let me oh, double okay. check that, actually. 
because I just got my flights. Um, it is 14th through the 16th in Charlotte, oh, yeah. North Carolina. Oh, yes. And you can go um, to felixart.com if you'd like to purchase any of my original art or commission me for something. Mm-hmm. That's a place where you can also find my stuff online. Yes. You're kind of on Twitter, but not really. I uh, yeah yeah I'm I go check it every once in a while J- more or less just like Facebook I spend most of my time on Instagram so if you want to communicate with me hit me up on Instagram yeah that's Uh-oh. funny because it used to be the other way around you were rarely on Instagram for a while no that's very true and I grew to like Instagram a lot more because I was sick of seeing people scream about our political climate not that I like our political climate but I was over it you know yeah I uh, yeah yeah also you you got more followers. <laughs> Because I think at first you were just like, man, nobody likes my pictures. <laughs> well, at first I was just, um, I was just uh, following back anybody who followed me. And then, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I know. And I realized I needed to sort of curate it a little bit more. And um, <laughs> yeah, now I knew I do really, I do really enjoy. I Instagram is by curating my Instagram, I find it nothing but inspirational at this point. Oh, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, for sure. And also. And I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it basically fills that void of what Facebook was. It's like connecting with people that you don't normally interact with anymore, but still want to, you know, be able yes. to touch base with. Yeah. Yes. Say hello sometimes. Tell them you like their stuff. You know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, cool, brother. Cool. That was fun. Yeah.